0: Welcome to another edition of Turned Out a Punk. I am your host, Damien Abraham, and once again, I am bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved in punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, huge guest for me. Magnus Blitzberg from the Satanic Surfers And also from Everyday Madness And also from Revenge And more on that in a second Everyday Madness, by the way Loki, I think, one of my more underrated Swedish hardcore bands Um, But anyway, more on that in a second But first, if you'd like to get in touch with me You can send an email to TurnedOutAPunkPodcast at gmail.com That email will be checked by my brother, Tristan Abraham, show producer and runner of the Facebook page. So if you use Facebook and you would like to see what's going on in the Turned Out of Punk universe, you can follow the Turned Out of Punk Facebook page and send a message to him. He can get the messages to me and I can get the messages to to him and, you know, we'll, we'll communicate, you know. But if you want to communicate with me more directly, you can find me on various forms of social media at left for Damien. If you'd like to support this show, the best way to do that is by uh, whatever platform you're listening to this on. Subscribe to it, rate it, write a review of it. Speaking of support, though, this show would not be possible without the loving, kind support of the fine folks at Vans. And you know they came on board and they said, "We don't want to do this show out of your own pocket anymore. We want to make it possible to you know for you to pay for it, and we're going to give you lots of other opportunities to do cool stuff." Like speaking of which these House of Vans shows which are going to be happening all summer long um I'm I'm actually going to be at one coming up um the way these work is if you're in New York or Chicago or if you plan to be head over to Vans and look just Google Vans House of Vans because when I was do, doing it from Canada I was getting sent to the Canadian site So I had to, you know, Vans.com House of Vans And you will find a list of all these amazing artists That are going to be playing in Chicago and Brooklyn You can find the the information you need Right there on that website And, uh, yeah, in the next week uh, There's going to be two amazing RSVPs Opening up for, in Chicago On July 27th, Unknown Mortal Orchestra And then there's also going to be an RSVP opening up for the July 24th, as to be announced yet, special guest. And I've heard a rumor about who this special guest is, and holy poop, you want to get on that uh, RSVP as soon as that opens. You just got RSVP for these shows And you go for free And there's lots of other cool stuff happening on as well Like for instance this weekend They've got Suicidal Tendencies They've also got an amazing exhibition of artwork They've also got Jay Howell coming up To do a whole class about character design Jay Howell of course from Sanjay and Craig uh, The guy that did my Lee from Trash Talk And Chase Tattoo on my thigh But also the guy that did the character design For Bob's Burgers Maybe I should have put Bob's Burgers before my tattoo because, you know, he's probably more famous for Bob's Burgers than for my tattoo. But uh, I'm pretty stoked about this tattoo. Anyway, he's going to be doing lectures and classes there. And believe me, if you've ever hung out with this dude, that is one lecture I want to go to. He is a... A mad professor, if there's ever been one. Uh, so, yeah, there's going to be tons of great stuff coming up all over the summer still. Against Me is going to be playing Pennywise, Deer Hunter, Wolf Parade, uh, Suicidal Tendencies is coming up next weekend, playing there. Slow Dive just played there. Ah, Vans, thank you. That's all I'm going to say. That's, I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, having me do this, but also thank you for letting me go to a couple of these. I'm going to be popping up at a couple of these too, doing live turn out of punks. So more information on that in the near future. Speaking of near future, you're about to hear an amazing episode. And then after that, a very special bonus where I will be announcing my co-host for the live turnout of punks. That are going to be coming up or live Turnout of Punk that will be coming up in Montreal. All of this will be going down as part of the 77 Montreal Festival, a incredible festival which is now in its second year. But, you know, it's got a lineup which has to be seen to be believed with Suicidal Tendencies, AFI, Rise Against, Me First, and the Gimme Gimmies. No Policy is getting back together. Sorry hit hey, my keys with that. I was so excited. No policies getting back together to play this thing. Uh, you've got tons of like friends of mine from over the years. Tons of, of people I want to hang out with uh, including Magnus from Satanic Surfers. Now Magnus is someone that I've wanted to have on the show or anyone from Satanic Saint- Surfers for quite some time. I'm a massive fan of this band. Uh, I really do think they are truly one of the great bands to kind of emerge from this Groundswell of Swedish Punk which happened In the mid 90s He goes into the whole details of it on this Episode now I've had in the past I've had Larzon and Nicola From Millen calling on uh, But I think the Satanic Surfers have You know a different perspective on the whole thing Obviously these two bands were very closely Linked at different times but Also you know different paths that they Chose to carve out so Anyway this is all once again In celebration of July 27th, 77 Fest will be happening in Montreal at Parc Jean Drapeau. It features Rise Against Suicidal Tendencies, Me First in the Gimme Gimmies, AFI. It features Jeff Rosenstock, Steve Ignorant, playing with Paranoid Visions, which is pretty badass. I love that band, Paranoid Visions. The Good Friends, Chris Number Two, and Anti Flag, Sick of It All, L7. Oh, man, DOA, Planet Smashers, Iron Shake. So many great bands are going to be playing this thing. You really owe it yourself if uh, you have the means to do so, to get yourself up to Montreal. Montreal in the summer is also an incredible place to be. Like, let me tell you, that's a food city if there's ever been one. Smoke meat sandwiches, steamy hot dogs. uh, It's You know, I'm going to, it's going to be a gluttonous experience for myself. But before that festival goes down, there will be a pre party happening on the 26th of July uh, at the Les Ministres. In Montreal, Thursday the 26th, doors open at 7 p.m., show starts at 8 p.m. Tickets are $17 in advance and $20 at the door. You can get those all online, and I assure you it will be a star-studded affair. Uh, I will have my very cool, very turned-out-of-punk family uh, podcast co-host on the end of this episode for you to see. So that's a surprise. That's, that's at the end of the episode. Um, and uh, then we have a little bit of a chat, too. You know, it's not just like, you know, that person coming on the air and being like, hey, and that's it. No, we have a, we have a little mini podcast there, too. So it's a jam-packed episode today. So I'm not going to blather on anymore. I'm going to let you sit back, relax. Place your orders for those tickets, because I assure you, you want to be there for this live podcast, and enjoy Magnus Blitzenberg on Turned Out a Punk. Magnus, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. As I was just telling you off air, like, I've been a Satanic Surfers fan for, for a long, long time, but... I just think you know the way the band governs itself and the music you make. It's been really inspiring for me over the years. So stoked to get to do this with you.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, yeah, I'm stoked to do this. All okay. shows. <laughs> yeah, listen to all the episodes. Some some of them twice. So yeah. Wow. That, well, then
0: uh, then I have no need to. Uh, uh, you know, warn you anymore about how nerdy this thing's going to get. Uh, I'm yeah. going to, I can't wait to find out all these weird little label questions that I've had over the years and stuff like that. Wow. I hope I, hope I can answer them. I'm Don't sure. worry. If you can't, that's yeah. part of the nerdy quest, it's just the quest for more Exactly. And all. Um, yeah. But let's start this off the way they all start off, which is Magnus, how'd you get into punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across the genre?
1: Well, I thought about it because I, I, obviously knew this question <laughs> was going to come up. So I, I can't really think about like a specific moment, but uh, I talked to my, I have to warn you also that my twin brother is probably going to come up <laughs> a couple of times in this episode. Cause we, yeah, obviously we grew up together. And with, I mean, everything with skating and playing music, we did that together. So I, I talked to him about it. Like if we compared our memories <laughs> <laughs> from what happened, yeah. Uh, so uh, and we both remember like uh, some mixed tapes back in 1986 I think I think we were 12 years old and we some a friend of ours uh, he had a I guess an old friend that uh, provided us with uh, some mixed tapes with the punk and I don't think we've heard the music really before then and I remember that one of the tapes was sex pistols on one of the one side and then they exploited on the other side. That's what I remember. But, uh, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't really... I mean, I think that's what we were looking for at that time. Just something with that kind of energy. And uh, yeah, that's where it started. Like, I, I've always been kind of interested, like,
0: pop culturally. Was, like, Swedish punk on the like mainstream radar at all? Like, were they would they talk about the Root Kids on radio or anything like that? Or is that, like... Super or like or anti CMAX or any of those types of bands, or is that like just totally like uh, out, out
1: in the hinterland type thing? Not, I mean, when I was twelve years old, I had no idea about those kind of things. But I think punk was probably uh, at its peak in Sweden at the end of the seventies, early eighties, with mm-hmm. the bands like Eb- Ebbagiran. If you yeah, yeah, probably the biggest uh, Swedish punk band ever in Sweden because. They were, like, were mainstream, definitely, back then. But like in 1986, I'm not sure. I mean, I never heard about it from on the radio or something, but I was pretty young, so maybe, maybe it was. So where did you kind of go from these these mixtapes that you got, uh, you and your brother? Well, I guess we... Just trying to find out more about it. And I think probably... Like one of the mixtapes, it was a really funny thing, because... It was some of the bands we could identify or someone would tell, oh, that's Sex Pistols, that's GBH or something. But there was a couple of, I remember like six or seven songs that was completely different from everything else. And I think it was probably in the 90s I found out what it was. It was Mob Mob 47. Oh, awesome. (laughs) I had no idea, but that was like, I I got sidetracked here, but I just kind of remember that because I think everything else on those mixtapes we kind of identified it and uh, that, okay we're gonna find records from these bands and uh, but um, Mob 47 we <laughs> it escaped us for many years we we heard the songs we had no idea what it was but uh, yeah I, I think we just I mean when you're 12 years old you don't have that many that much money so uh, mm-hmm. we just to <laughs> we bought some records from time to time and just mainly just uh, trying to get get to uh, get other tapes, like uh, borrow records from other friends and uh, do stuff like that. And also skating. We started skateboarding maybe a year later or something. And that kind of, it seemed like it was, I don't know, really perfect. It it went very good together. So I'm not sure. Uh, I think we probably we started listening more to the Swedish kind of... uh, like Asta Kask and Eberger and stuff like that. That's probably the bands that we went for back then. So. What was the first show you went to? <laughs> I come from a now I live in Malmo uh, in Sweden, but mm. uh, I grew up in a small town like three hours north from here, and it's called Kalmar, really small town, forty thousand people or something like that, and. Nothing happens there, <laughs> I mean, especially especially in the eighties. It's it's on the east coast of Sweden, and it's like you might you could live in a small town, and some bands could come by, like on tour or something. But no bands tour on the east coast and southeast east coast of Sweden. So we never really got to see any bands that they were famous uh, or any touring bands until much later. But I think one of the first shows that we went to that was a Swedish band called. Imperiet—that's uh, the empire in, in Swedish—and that's actually the the singer from Ebagrian, Joakim Torstén. That was his band band after uh, Ebbagiran. So we went to see that, and I think that was even 1985. So that was before discovered punk. And Imperiet wasn't really a punk band, more like a I don't know, typical 80s, maybe a little bit of a new wave or something like that. But that—that that, that I, I remember seeing that show. It was cool.
0: Oh, that's awesome! Were there but were there like yeah. local bands at you know even older local bands at that point? But were there like local bands happening around your age? You guys are so no, young, not I really,
1: guess. Yeah, we were. I mean, we hadn't really started playing. I think we tried to start a band when we were twelve or thirteen years old, me, and my brother, <laughs> and a friend. And but we had. Uh, I just remember there was a. We didn't have like a proper rehearsal space or anything. We there was a, in the basement of one of the buildings were, uh, of the flats where we lived. There was. You could kind of rent a room or just to have to go down there to play ping pong or whatever, and we, we asked the people that were in charge, oh, can we bring some amps down and a drum kit? Is it all right?" I mean, we just had some small amps. I think we had one amp that we tried to play two guitars. And, <laughs> but anyway, we, we rehearsed once or twice, and I mean I don't think they understood how much. A drum kit. How noisy, noisy it is! Yeah. So <laughs> they yeah. kicked us out straight away, <laughs> and I, I don't blame them. But uh, I mean, it took a, a while. I mean, I think we were fifteen when we started our first band. I um, mean, my brother. So it t- took a few years. But uh, yeah. did you guys have a name? We were called uh, the Nitwits. Oh, awesome! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think we formed the band in 1990, so we were sixteen by then, and. uh also, like a really strange thing, we just uh, at those uh, like uh, kind of youth centers, or I don't know really what you call them, but the young people hang out uh, at night. I mean, with you can, you could rehearse there and do stuff. It's really common in Sweden, the mm-hmm. rehearsal spaces, and I think that's what why one of the reasons there's so many bands coming out of Sweden is like you can go there to one of those places and you can actually borrow equipment and uh, you can rehearse for free, and that's that's what we did. I think we rehearsed like five times and then we had a show. I'm not sure how that sounded. (laughs) (laughs) Just playing some covers like, I don't know, uh, Ramones, Screeching Weasel and uh, UK Subs and Epaghjian, but it must have sounded terrible because we, I think we rehearsed four or five times. (laughs) I have no idea what. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's also, you know, it's amazing because like all the Swedish
0: bands always sounded like like sonically perfect, you know, like everyone could play and I, it must be because that access to affordable rehearsal spaces and instruments and things like that, that like, you know, are, are a lot harder to come by. And it makes so much sense for a, yeah, a government yeah. to provide that stuff for young people to kind of give them something to do.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, and it's, it's weird because in the neighborhood or like the area where we grew up was maybe, a, I don't know, we didn't have a youth center, so we had to go like almost outside of Kelma just to find a youth center where we could could rehearse. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't think we were supposed to be there because we didn't live there. But somehow we got to, we made our way in there and just <laughs> borrowed some instruments. And uh, uh, but I mean, sonically perfect. <laughs> it wasn't the case that night. I can tell you that <laughs> it must have been terrible. So how does it work? Like, if it's it like based on the neighborhood you're in, your access to the youth center, or like. Is it, like, yeah, depending so. what
0: district you're in? Uh,
1: I think, I mean, now it's probably has a lot to do with the government or especially, like, the people in, in the like, the city council, or what do you call mm-hmm. it? I mean, what they choose to to invest their money in because uh, it, it's, I don't know, it, it's not, not a secret. When you don't have anything to do, that's when you're going to start trouble. So I think uh, uh, a lot of these kind of youth centers, it's just... Closed down because there's no money. The politicians yeah. don't want to don't want to invest any money into it. So uh, it's it's too bad. But they're still around, and uh, that's when I moved down here to Lund. First, we we rehearsed at a youth center as well. So it, they were everywhere, and I think that's a big part of like the Swedish um, Sweden having so many so many bands.
0: Oh yeah, like just so many amazing bands too. Like it was just uh, I remember like you know when I first heard. You know, it's almost, and just so many different styles too. Like, it's not like so many different sounds coming out of there. It's, it's incredible. Like, what were you kind of more gravitating to, like, based on the songs you mentioned, like more of the melodic stuff than that more kind of D beat sound that also, I guess, was prominent around then?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, we weren't really, I think when we, like when we were in like from like 13 and up to probably 18, we listened mostly to the melodic stuff uh, when it comes to came to uh, to punk. Uh didn't really hear the D beat stuff until later except for that more, more Mom 47. 47 yeah, <laughs> yeah cuz I didn't and I I don't know how that ended up on that tape cuz uh, <laughs> nothing else on it sounded like that. So it, but it was cool I uh, got to hear it. But uh I well, mean no wonder I don't you remembered I heard... it. Sorry, no wonder you remembered it cuz that would have
0: been like that would have stuck out like a sore thumb compared to like, you exactly. know, I mean, sex I and...
1: how, exactly. I couldn't believe how fast it was. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, and then you remember like the animal liberation song. That's a slower one. That's what got <laughs> it's the only out. one I can sing along to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, uh, so that's why I remember it so well, but yeah, absolutely. I think, I don't think I heard like a discharge or the or antisemics until a bit later. I know I, I bought the antisemics, it's called Absolute Country of Sweden, but that's sort of like a later album, I think it's yeah. in the 90s, yeah. Like that. So uh, like in the 80s, I didn't hear about those uh, those bands and uh, the people we hung out with, mostly skaters and uh, we listened to, Ramones were probably the big Ramones and Screeching Weasel uh, were probably the biggest for the first couple of years. So just love that. And The Clash as well, a bit. So yeah.
0: Where did you kind of go from uh, when you first kind of, you know, you, you first started playing this band, you know, you played that first show. What happened after that with this band? Did you guys
1: play any more? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We This was probably, I think, just before like the summer holidays. And so during the summer, we just thought about like we have to get a rehearsal space and uh, we have to get some equipment. And me and my brother had been playing like in Sweden, you have something called like a music school where you can choose an instrument when you're nine or ten years old, and you go to to school uh, in the in the evenings, just maybe once a week to to practice. And back then, it was for free, and that's also amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Free, yeah. I think now you pay money for it, but it's not that expensive still. So it's it's really cool. And we did it from ten years old until I did it until I moved away from home when I was nineteen. So we did it all the time. And uh, so I think we already had like. Uh, Instruments, but I'm not sure. Like we had to get a drum kit and uh, like a PA for for the for the vocals and everything. So I think during that summer we kind of tried just to get everything together. To just yeah uh, we need to have some proper amps and especially we need a, a really good rehearsal space where we can be whenever we want. So and luckily in Kalmar, in that small city, there, so there was a I think probably belonged to like the army or something like that. A big big house with a, uh, a lot of rooms in, and I think they built about 30 rehearsal spaces there or something like that. So we, yeah, we got one of those rooms and started in, in the fall of uh, 1990, started playing, and we were like, we want to do this. That's all we want to do, <laughs> skateboard and play in punk band. So we kind of, we were de- determined. We wanted to do this. So that's what we did for two or three years until I moved away, so yeah. When they open,
0: when they open that rehearsal space, did that just start like a massive boom of bands, just like all all these kids having access to this kind of
1: equipment and space now? I'm not sure. I mean, I think it might have been open for a couple. Like we we found out about it during that summer. I think maybe it had been open for a couple of years, but we didn't. I mean, obviously, we didn't know anything about it. But uh, but. It was. I think we were definitely the youngest band there. We were 60 years old, and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of blues bands, like <laughs> guys that we thought were super old. They were at least thirty years old. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my what, god, what are they doing? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so a lot of those kind of bands, and a few of our friends, but mostly older people, definitely. nope. I mean, yeah, maybe one more punk band, but um, yeah, it's not really. I mean, we were the only band that played. Just kind of, there was a band called Nobby and the Styles. That was like a Ramones cover band. They had a few uh, songs of their own, but mostly they they like perfected the Ramones sound. <laughs> they were really good at that, but it was like <laughs> a limited kind of career, I guess. So. Yeah, like you're, you're yeah. sonically in a box at that point. Yeah, I think so. But they were cool. I mean, they they played, and we played with them in uh, in this, uh, like in Kalma, in the in the city. So yeah, I was gonna say, were there like
0: other bands other than them that were kind of like like-minded, or there like were there other punk
1: bands? I should say there was one more band called Kurt Olvas Rebeller. Kurt Olvar, that's I guess that's a name, and Rebeller that's rebels. And okay, they played like they they sang in, in Swedish, and it was uh, it wasn't DB, It was really kind of. I mean, it was almost. A little bit like Trallpunk, like Streber, like, but maybe a little bit more aggressive, I guess, and a bit faster. And they play. I think the state still play, actually, and they, they must be like 15 or something, or almost. So things are still around, <laughs> and living yeah. in that small town. But they were around, and uh, Nobby and the styles. and we played. I can't really remember any other punk bands. It was, I mean, I think punk wasn't, I mean, it wasn't popular. And it started to happen some like 1991, 92. Things started happening even there, but uh, it, it took a couple of years. Uh, but,
0: yeah. Did you guys record at all or with the first band? Uh, I
1: think, uh, something, yeah, we, we did something like just a, some something in the rehearsal space, but it, it was a proper recording, but uh, just on a small, uh, some like portable studio kind of thing. and I have no idea <laughs> where that cassette is. But, uh, maybe, maybe my brother has or my parents, but I haven't seen it in a long, long time. And I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Track that down. We we that's right for a reissue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> I don't <think>. uh, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> okay.
0: Um, where did you uh, – you mentioned you moved away. Um, was that yeah. for uh, school or did you just want to get, kind of move to
1: a bigger city or how, what prompted that move? That was, uh, I finished school, uh, in the, when I was 19, that's okay. like when, you, yeah. And, uh, then I, I had like, I met, I just met the, uh, the guys on Satanic surface actually just a couple of months before, uh, I moved down there because I, uh, let's see. We skated with a friend uh, called Henrik That's like five years older. When he moved down to Lund, where Satanic surfers were located at that time, and he got to know them like a year before I did. So he came back to Kalmar, like I don't know, early '93 or something like that, with a cassette with the Satanic surfers. Ah, oh, here's this is my friends, and uh, yeah, well, that's uh, you want to listen to it, and I did. And actually, that was a demo that. Um, it it's it is the Skate to Hell EP. Oh, it is a skate to, I was going to say, what, did that ever come out? Oh, okay. Uh, it's it's the same it's the same recording. It's just it was called something else. And uh, so I'm even though it says I play on the Skate to Hell EP, I don't because <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was like yeah, six months or nine months before I joined the band. And uh, so I just saw the cassette and he played it for me. Oh, that's cool. And uh, then uh, like two months later, we went down to Lund uh, a couple of friends because Parson Dia was playing. Uh, so went down to see them. What was that that's Poison an idea show like? Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> it was incredible. I, I mean, coming from that small town, never really seen... I mean, there was some festival uh, outside of Kalmar where you could go, the, the biggest uh, festival in in Sweden at the time uh, called the Hultsved, Hultsved Festival. And uh, it was some really cool... I could, saw some cool shows there, but that's the only... like. I mean, seeing international bands... Performing that was probably the only chance. Otherwise, you had to go down to uh, the south of Sweden, like to Lund or Malmo or Copenhagen, Denmark, mm-hmm. to see bands. So the only I hadn't seen. I had that was probably my first club show. There, uh, like a real punk band, like a touring punk band. I've seen some shows at at that festival, but that's a bit big. I mean, a festival show is something else. So but, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, so seeing that, and that was in. They played, like, Lund is a student city, so it's kind of different. It's called, not, oh, I'm not sure how to explain it, but kind of different. <laughs> it's not fraternities, definitely, but it's like. Uh, it's like students, right? Like, different so. Students, yeah, like uh, where the dorms are, and the, there's a different, from different oh, like, places in Sweden. So you have, like, uh, Lundsnation, that's Lund, and you have Malmö Nation, and it's, it's Different, like it's, you have a membership there, and you go there to drink beer. Basically, that's that's the thing. So it's oh, like a the student and, union type thing, I guess. Would be exactly, exactly, yeah. And yeah. Uh, the one where my friend Henrik lived, and uh, where he and I guess Rodrigo was living there as well at the time. That they they were kind of like the alternative kind of a student union. Well, so they booked the. They were just punks hanging out there, <laughs> and they booked like. All play there and a bunch of bands. So, like, Poison just going there in the same building that where I stayed. at, like, when I and I ended up living there, that was the same building where Poison D played. So we just went downstairs to the pub and Poison D was playing. There. It was like a 300 capacity uh, club. <laughs> so it's, I mean, never seen a punk show. And then those five <laughs> guys stumble up on stage. It was, it was amazing. And I that's can, like the I best. Can't even going. When that's like live, that would have been the best era. They must have been like shit yeah. hot. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was incredible. And, uh, and for us, I mean, we've been listening to uh, Poison Idea. That was probably the biggest band for us, the, the like the two or three years before. Like that's one of the two or three bands that we listened to most was Poison Idea. So seeing them live was, I don't know, incredible. Yeah. I can't describe it Do you remember if there were any local bands on that show? No, that's I was thinking about it. I can't really I can't remember if they had it. I mean, it must have been an opener, but I can't remember it. I mean it's twenty five years ago, so yeah. <laughs> I, yeah but uh, I definitely remember the show and the uh, peak Champion With he was standing up for two songs and he sat on a chair. <laughs> so but it it, doesn't, it didn't matter. And I think Jerry he ended up like sitting down by monitors and just his Forehead was cut up. And he just smashed some bottles, and they had to rush him to the hospital. So yeah, oh was my, cool. God. <laughs> yeah, and that was my first like proper punk show, like with a
0: yeah. What band. an introduction!
1: Yeah, and that's where I met Rodrigo, Frederick, and Tomic for the first time. Satanic Surfers. It that was that night, so that was cool. So, did you know that they were
0: like, were they? Were you going to join the band at that point, or was it just like meeting them casually as friends? Uh,
1: just as friends, and then. My friend Henrik he told me during the summer because if I got into school in Lund, uh, then I was moving there, and I think he told the guys in the service that I was moving down there. And he told, so he told me, well, if you move down there, maybe you can join on the second guitar, just try out for that. So when I moved down in, in August that year, we oui. I started hanging out with Frederick, like right away, and uh, we just and uh, I guess a week or two after I moved down there, I I just uh, went auditioned i guess i don't know and uh yeah then i was in the band so yeah. <laughs> it's perfect timing
0: right perfect time yeah absolutely it's it's funny because like how long after you joined uh did that really fast compilation come out or was that did that happen
1: before you joined no that let's see really fast i think that was i joined in like september 93 i think really fast came out spring 94 maybe okay. april or May or something yeah we made a recording my first recording with the band was in december or january of uh, yeah 93 94 and uh i think those songs on the really fast compilation uh, they're from that uh, that recording session
0: that compilation it's like you know and obviously i wasn't there and and so i'm looking at it from a distance but what an amazing you know list of bands like you know, for,
1: yeah, what for bands diff- are there? I haven't looked at it in a long, long time. Uh, Muslims <laughs> on I'm... it, it's you guys, oh, yeah.
0: uh, Mill and Colin, 59 Times the Pain, Bomb Raid, uh, what's that? Uh, yeah, what? Kurbitz IR, Kubitz. oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. Kubitz. yeah, uh, E-R, yeah, yeah, um, that that band, uh, there's uh, and then oh, a bunch of bands that I'm, I'm like, like Smudgeman, who I'm not that familiar with, and no, Exodus. I'm not sure. Uh sector sexes. I got to re-listen to this comp. It's been a while since I listened to it, but I mean, specifically the bands yeah. I mentioned off the top. It's like, yeah, it, it's like a, a real difference in styles. But all of you guys would go on to become such forces in in like all underground music.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was kind of like at that time, maybe not '93, but like spring '94. You can really sense like something was. Happening because uh, I mean at that time the the big thing uh, the big trend in punk was a thing called melodic punk song in Swedish like Asta Kask and Stiebes, but there was a bunch of other bands uh, like so many bands doing that kind of doing that kind of style and it, it was it was huge for a couple of years just right before like the Fat Epitaph and Burning Heart bands try uh, started taking off. It was that kind of music, and I think. Spring '94. That was, I don't know. Some you could just you heard about different bands like Melancholy and Randy. Uh, yeah, Refused obviously, and I mean I don't know all the bands. you uh, Started hearing about them, and some bands came down to play. And uh, I think we got on a Burning Heart compilation. Yeah, Spring '94. So I think so much. You could sense something was happening, and was a festival up in Fagusta, where the Hives and uh, 59 Times the Pain and no fun at all, they were from a small uh, small town called Fagusta. And that's they had a, a festival there called uh, Baugusta, and run by uh, Peter at Burning Heart, actually. And uh, in 94, can, the lineup was insane. It was like No Effects, Lag Wagon, Green Day, uh, Sick of It All, uh, a yeah, bunch of other bands. Mill and Colin played, I don't know refused i think so you can see like something was going on it wasn't like the, the swedish the, or the punk sung in swedish oh. was kind of going away by then. and just like six months later i mean offspring and green Day were huge so yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah like i guess that's the, the moment where you know like all all the stuff that you know you mentioned the practice spaces and all these people like that's when it all came to fruition like all these bands were just you yeah, know i think
1: so yeah and we're all the same age like everybody was born like mid 70s like uh mm-hmm. something like that i mean most of the people and so yeah so many it really felt like everybody listen had to listen to the same kind of <laughs> punk when they grew up and it, this is what happened <laughs> at this exact moment so mm-hmm. that was cool but like even that, like you're
0: saying like everyone was in the same sort of punk but like I don't think you guys sound like Mill and Colin or, and, and Mill and Colin sound like refused. Who don't sound like 59 times no. the pain. Who don't sound like nozzle. Like it's amazing how like, once again, it's like all these different kind of interpretations based on these records.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can, can't even explain that. I mean, that's, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not sure about the other bands, what their like influences were, but, uh, were, but, uh, I think I mean, it seems like I mean, Satanic. So I think we've our sound has always changed.
2: <laughs> like,
1: it started off. I mean, the band started back in nineteen eighty nine, like way before <laughs> I joined the band. So, and then I think they played probably the same kind of music that I did, but in my old band. Like, uh, I know they played the Misfits and stuff like like bands, more straight, straightforward punk. I guess Rodrigo, he <laughs> developed his uh, songwriting skills <laughs> a bit, so, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure, sh- I mean, uh, the other bands, uh, I think maybe you just, I mean, just starting to play like hardcore and sweet. I mean, you probably just choose like, oh, what are we going to play and just, you tried something and maybe it didn't really become what you set out to do, but um, I mean... I don't know. Where I'm going well, no, that's right.
0: Cause, like, <laughs> that's the thing is, like, I I, I myself, when I started playing music, it was like, I was like, I want to play in a band that sounds just like Poison Idea. And what comes out yeah. is is very different, you know? And I think there's a lot of us probably that yeah. wanted to do a band exactly. that sounds just yeah. like Poison Idea. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd love to be
0: in a band like that. <laughs> yeah, same here. We should form a band that's just like Poison Idea one day. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm there.
1: <laughs> um, when What about that band? Because like,
0: uh, when Larzon and Nicola were on the show, they mentioned that band Super Dong, who
1: I, I wasn't that familiar with beforehand. Were you a fan of them at all? No, I'd, I heard about, I think they might be on some of the compels, maybe not really fast. They're on really fast. I think, I think they're on the, the
0: one before the, the uh, like, I think it's like really fast number eight.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah. Because, no, I, I I hadn't heard about them before, but I guess they're from the north of Sweden, or was it some guys from Fireside? Or I think it's like someone before? from Breach. And yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm sure that's, that's uh, right. No, I, I never listened to them. I, I think, actually, I think when you talked about it with <laughs> Nicola and Larson on, on, the podcast. I think I just looked, look them up. I, I heard about them and I don't think I've ever heard of music before. So okay.
0: yeah, no, it's, they were, they were a, a really, I, I was a big fan of them actually. Like uh, when I yeah. checked them out, but I had never heard of them until that, that interview. Okay. Okay. No. <laughs> Um, where did you kind of, you know, like you guys start playing, is there, when, you, when you're when you asked to join the band, did they already have like a following at that point? Or is it still before, you know, like you said, a few months later when everything kind of coalesces?
1: Yeah, well, no, I wouldn't think, I mean, when you're that age, I think, well, they knew a lot of people. I mean, they were friends with all the punks in, yeah. in modern, and so I guess they would show up at the shows and, but, I mean, it took a while. I think we, like, fall and winter 93, I think we just played maybe two shows or something like that and, and uh, just focused mainly on writing new material. And, uh, well, the second show, I mean, the first show was at the youth center where we rehearsed with the tank surface. The second show was, like, <laughs> it made me realize what a kind of different, I don't know, the big difference between growing up where I grew up and just hanging out in Malmö and hanging out in Denmark because we went to a squat in uh, Aarhus in Denmark. That was my second show. And that was an eye-opening experience <laughs> for me. Like Just, I mean, being in a squat for the first time, just that is kind of, I don't know, it's, I don't know. I wasn't used to it, just put it that way. And uh, yeah. just hanging out there for three, three days, not sleeping at all because there was always somebody screaming and listening to music. It was just... I don't know. That's, that just made me realize that, okay, here's a real punk scene. We didn't have that in, in my whole life. This is something else. I mean, maybe that was extreme out there. And it was, but, uh, I mean, uh, that was my second my second show with the band. It was a crazy journey up there. Yeah, I would say
0: a Copenhagen squat venue, uh, even yeah. when I was touring it a few years later, was still a, a gnarly proposition.
1: Yeah, well, it's different. I mean, it's it's really cool. I mean, Ungdomsudet in uh, in Copenhagen, it's it's great. And yeah, it's seen so many cool shows, and we played it a bunch of times. And uh, uh, it's it's cool, but and, yeah, I mean, it's not a rock club. I mean, no, it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> not. That. It's that's a different thing. But, but it, uh, I, I love the place. It's cool.
0: Yeah, I imagine what that Poison Idea show would have been like there. It would have been pretty gnarly. They
1: played the, actually. They played there the day after, and uh, what I, from what I heard, they weren't that good i think they started a bit too hard <laughs> <I was laughs> the day before, and it was yeah i don't know probably <laughs> on that tour i think that was the last tour they did this was in april 93 one of the last like the last european tour for sure yeah and yeah i think they broke up just a few months later so maybe they weren't <laughs> i mean it takes yeah. its toll i guess yeah, and I
0: imagine, like, the constraints of a student union versus the constraints of a squat venue, or the freedom, I should say, of a squat venue to party. I imagine yeah. you, would, you got a very different Poison idea by the time stage time rolled around.
1: Maybe, yeah, yeah, I can imagine that, yeah.
0: Um, so after this, you know, second show, uh, w- where did you guys kind of go? Was was that, when that compilation, actually, when that Burning Hearts compilation, Hardcore for the Masses Volume 2, which has... Yeah. To this day, one of the most disturbing covers. Uh, yeah, I know. It's a uh, – I remember seeing it as a kid, which must have been shortly after it came out, um, and just being yeah, like so. mortified.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, it's, haven't looked at, I haven't looked at it you know, for a long time. so but well, I, remember. I, I think
0: once you look at it once, it stays with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, when that compilation came out like obviously it made it all the way to toronto um yeah. was there was it like almost immediate that there was this like sort of fan base forming for these new bands or or once again did it take a little time for that to kind of build up
1: I think it was it was pretty fast because right right then and there i mean I think yeah, like I said like spring of ninety four was that that compilation came out and so much happened. I mean, that's when we got in touch. Rodrigo had contact with Peter at Burning Heart, and he said, "Oh, well, we want to release like a." They a lot of like this mini CD, like CD EP stuff. Like uh, that's the big thing. Before you did a full length, you did like a seven or eight song CD or six song. So he wanted to do that. So we started. Rehears- we were rehearsing songs for for that, and we recorded "Keep Out," the our debut on uh, Burning Heart in. August '94, and uh, it got released later that fall, I guess. And that at that time, I mean, it was big. You could see like the melodic punk rock, and especially the American bands or the Swedish bands were re- really getting huge. Millencolin was getting re- huge already, so mm-hmm. yeah, it was kind of fast.
0: It was like, when did Rodrigo start writing lyrics? Was he writing lyrics from the very very beginning, or is it on that
1: record? Uh. No, he he wrote the lyrics on "Skate to Hell," so yeah, I think he he's always written lyrics. I think because Ulf Maybe. wrote a couple well, of. Songs. Uh, yeah, uh, well, um, I mean, no, 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 no. Yeah, I yeah, keep out uh, Ulf, yeah the singer at that time. He he wrote a couple of. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and yeah. so and and how long after is it that he leaves the group? He leaves. Let's see. He left the band in. Uh, january in 95 so we he wasn't in the band for more like yeah not even a year i think he joined in april 94 and yeah left in uh, january 95 so and we recorded we did a split with the tenford pole uh, mm-hmm. That, but yeah and that was recorded uh like in december 94 and and ulf was still in the band but he he never uh, like, he never came to the studio to sing those songs so. oh, really uh, no I, it was i i don't know the he was, I don't think he was really he was already leaving the band by then, so yeah, just a, like a month later he left you know, like officially so but uh, so we just we had three or four songs that just <laughs> uh, just uh, instrumental for a while and then we, we I mean we were trying out singers, but uh, yeah at the end in the end, uh, Rodrigo sang instead. so yeah I think is, is he singing on the, on the Burning Heart compilation? Uh, on uh, the on the first glasses. the 94 one yeah uh, i don't think he does no, i can't I, remember because i know there's two versions of that song one with eric who sang in the band yeah i think that's on with... Skate to Hell, and one with yeah, okay yeah it doesn't matter but because i think he's sung something before when we started talking well why don't you sing instead and uh, so i think he had all right we we heard his voice i mean definitely but what was it like? Cause that's
0: like such a, you know, like very few bands, like what snuff you guys, Genesis, like yeah, very few ha- bands, the hard ons, the hard ons. That's true. You're yeah. right. Hard ons, <laughs> but still like, you know, the Eagles too. Um, yeah, that's but, true. but very few bands like, Oh, and also the Carpenters of course, but like very few yeah. bands had drummers as singers. Was that something you guys were nervous about or just feels so natural? Cause he's writing
1: the lyrics and already, you, as you say, you heard him sing. I think it was natural just <laughs> for us because we liked his voice and uh, we knew that. I mean, he, he, he composed the melody, like the vocal melodies, and if he sung them, it would probably be the, it would probably best if he would sing them. But uh, I mean, he never wanted to be the drummer and, and singer at the same time. That's, he never wanted to do that. So <laughs> that's well, like, yeah, can't imagine. Like, it's just a necessity. Yeah. We well, didn't
0: really like that. Yeah, like well, uh, yeah. cuz he's a great drummer and also like an incredible yeah.
1: vocalist too. So I yeah. imagine it'd be hard to do both at that kind of level at the same time. Exactly. I mean singing like melodically and that kind of drumming and at that pace. At that and, speed. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. It's uh I don't know. He I mean he first I think it was just like okay, well on the pole split I'm going to sing, we'll see what happens. <laughs> and, uh, so because I think Björn wanted to release it well, or Ten Foot Pole wanted to get the, uh, the split out, so I don't think we had a choice. And but then it just I can't remember. This is a long time ago, but I think we just kind of it just happened. Like okay, I will. I guess I'm singing. That's what he said. And uh, so because I mean, Hero of the Time is recorded in summer '95, and uh, so by then it was like we already decided that he was. Sing, but uh, yeah, it, especially in a live situation, he wasn't really happy about it.
0: So. Yeah, I can only, oh God, like, uh, yeah, yeah. As, as, as just a singer, I'm tired at the end of the show. <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> um, How did the split with 10 foot pole come about? Were you guys friends with them, or is it just like mutual admiration?
1: I think Bjorn at Bad Taste, I think he had, was in contact with them because I remember he was selling, like, Bad Taste started out in. Small town outside of Lund, and uh, Bjorn and Rodrigo they went to the same school. Uh, okay, and uh, yeah, so he's an old friend, and he he came in every like Saturday night, something when we were out drinking. He came here, also always had two CD boxes with 25 CDs because I remember he had a, the 10 foot pole. Like, what's the first album called? Remember,
0: oh, uh. Um- Oh, uh, no. Uh, Rev? Is it... Rev? No, that's the later... No,
1: Rev, Rev is the one on Epitaph, but the first one, when there's a, a kid sitting Swill. on the beach, I think. Swill. exactly. And that, because I remember Bjorn had uh, copies that was, it said scared straight on them, but it was crossed out with a like a marker, and uh, somebody wrote tempered pole instead. So, <laughs> so oh, that's I like the very, very first... Yeah. That's the very, very first version of it. That's like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I guess he was... I mean, if he got a hold of those cds i guess he was in contact with someone in the band I, i'm not sure but i think he was in like if he knew dennis or something like just by writing to him i think so so yeah well, love the band
0: <laughs> that's awesome because <laughs> so.
1: like i think bjorn, um, bjorn just maybe he just proposed uh, uh, i'm not sure just what do you want to do a split with this band I, i'm not really sure but uh, i think it was through bjorn since bad released it Like, you know, so many of
0: those bands were obviously touring, you know, Germany a lot during the 90s and stuff like that, Were a lot of those bands, and specifically a lot of the hardcore bands too, like Slapshot and Battery and Ignite, were a lot of those bands coming up to Sweden too, or is Sweden kind of off the touring route at that point for a lot of these bands?
1: Uh, Not in, uh, like, especially for the fat and tough bands in, uh, like, around 95, 96, 97, maybe a bit later too all the bands were coming to Sweden because it was that kind of, that's what I was uh, talking about before. Like it became really huge. I mean, that was the big, I mean, skate punk or melodic punk. That was the big thing in Sweden for young people for like in 95, 96. It was like the big trend. Mm-hmm. So many people listened to it. So, so then the American bands came, all the bands came out. We played with them for pole early 96. I think it was a thousand people. Wow, and and they weren't a big band. I mean, they weren't the. I mean, they there were so many other American bands that were bigger than than them. And still, they draw uh, a thousand people in Lund. I mean, that it's unbelievable when you think about it now. So well, it's it's uh, pretty funny because they the other
0: place that I think they were huge because they played. I remember they played Toronto one night, and this is a little bit later. This is on the Unleashed record but around then mm-hmm. actually 96, um, they played Toronto one night to, you know, a pretty respectable room of like 300 plus people. And then yeah. the next night I went and saw him in Montreal and it was like same sort of thing, <laughs> yeah. like a thousand people.
1: Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. That kind of music was huge. I mean, in, in Canada uh, or in, like the especially Quebec,
0: especially Quebec. Yeah, yeah definitely. It was, yeah. uh, well, obviously it was big everywhere at that time, but like I think, yeah, you know, Snow Jam and 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 just yeah, exactly. And you guys played the very first Snow Jam, right?
1: No, we played in '97. That was the f- first time we came over, and um,
0: yeah, '97. But wasn't that the first Snow Jam? Then they or did they do one before that year?
1: They did one before because I know Trigger Happy played on the one before. I remember talking to Al about it. It was like Lagwagon, wagon noise for name. And- just, oh, okay. I remember we yeah. we talked about that like a long time ago. So I know '97 wasn't the first one, but we went to Canada the first time in '96. But uh, that was in the summertime. So. Had you been to America before that, or no? Did you? No, and we never played the U.S. We, to this day, we never played a show in the U.S. Just uh, Canada. That's, really? Yeah.
0: Oh, because I, I oh, that's crazy. Okay, um, when did uh? So what was your first tour? Did you guys tour Europe before
1: that? Our first tour, uh, let's see, we went down to Germany uh, September 95 uh, with Melancholin, just for a week. And uh, like we supported them. They were really, yeah, they were, I think there were like 500, 700 people. And that was just, that was the first time for us and the first time for Melancholin in Germany. And they were really, they were huge already. So it was a really cool tour. Just, uh, I think, seven Seven shows or something like that. That's the first tour with uh, it outside of Scandinavia, and yeah, that was everything we could dream about. Because the thing is, in Sweden, like it was really trendy, and it was like you can. It's a lot of people at the shows, but you could sense like, okay, this might be around for a year or two. Th- yeah. Then <laughs> something else is gonna come along, and because uh, Sweden, I mean, it's a small country. It's like nine or ten million people. Not that many. Not that many places to play, really compared to, like, Germany or other kind I mean, it's... Uh, so, once you've done that a couple of times, it's like, okay, where are we going to go now? <laughs> it's, uh, you can, we we're really lucky to have, a, like, an audience abroad, because otherwise... I mean, in Sw- Sweden was dead, like... From 97, you couldn't get a show in Sweden if you played this kind of music, if you weren't, like, no effects, opinion-wise. So, yeah.
0: what, so what to you,
1: Germany, it was cool.
0: Yeah, Germany, it feels like, you know, it's like the place that's still, like you know, there's bands from here that go over there and do really well. My band never took cold in Germany for some reason.
1: Really? Ah, <laughs> uh-huh, okay.
0: Wow. It's really, uh, it's funny. Cause like we'll go there and play with other bands and it's amazing. Like, just sort of like, you know, like you, I can see it in other bands, but it never really happened for my band there. But it's amazing how, you know, it's just, it's such, such a music loving place when it, especially when it comes yeah, to punk yeah. music.
1: Definitely. Yeah. And I remember cause I, I bought like a, Yes. No, it wasn't even a DVD. It was a, like a <laughs> VHS cassette of a called Big Bang with a Bad Religion. It was, I think, them touring in, in Germ- mostly in Germany, like in 91 or 92. And I watched that, like, I don't know, not every day, but I watched it so many times when I was like 16, 17, and just dreamt about this kind of thing. And so coming to Germany, it just felt like, okay, yeah, because Bad Religion, No Effects, and a couple of other... Or, Many other American have been coming there for a while. So you can Sounds like, well, this is they build it from the ground up. So it's going to last for a long time. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. We kind of just went in there. I don't know. With the benefits of what the, their hard work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what, what, what
0: caused it to become a trend in Sweden? Do you think, was it just like the timing or was there like radio that got behind it or were they playing the videos on TV?
1: I don't know. It's a good question. Uh, not, like, n- like, the radio in Sweden is, they never play that kind of, maybe a couple of bands, but no, I wouldn't say that not videos either, because a lot of those bands didn't really make videos. I mean, different with Offspring and uh, and Green Day. I mean, yeah. they were on another level. They were a, definitely more mainstream than the other bands, so they got played on the radio, and... You can see them on TV, but I, honestly, no, I have no idea like, why it happened. Just <laughs> at that point, I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's really weird because it definitely, like, you know, like, uh, like obviously, as you're saying, like, you could feel it that there was just like this was something that's happening, and you know, I think in Canada, you look at bands like Gob or, or you know trigger happy even like they would get the odd video yeah. played on TV at that point. So those were yeah. a, a I think a lot of the reason why those bands became the bands, but mm, yeah, I, I don't know. It's weird that in Sweden there was nothing like that. It just seems like a, a very organic Not rem-
1: Yeah. But at the same time, it happened like really, really fast. I mean, it's just in a couple of months old, all, all those bands were huge. So I'm, yeah. I don't know. It just people, probably people just looking for something new. I mean, because for me, hearing, uh, I think it was probably yeah against grain, against the grain with, by Bad Religion. When I heard that album, probably like in '91, I, I, I never heard anything like it. Like that was that's probably the the album that changed everything for me. Because hearing something so melodic, and that like I don't know songwriting skill and and at the same time at that uh, so fast. I had never heard anything like it before. And I mean, it's uh, m- a few of those bands, like the melodic punk bands, they were kind of accessible, I think, to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't discharge. <laughs> yeah. Green Day something. It <laughs> sounds like something else. It's pop songs. So I guess that's maybe why it attracted so many people. I don't know. Yeah, and you're it's right. good songwriting. It's really, I mean, it's catchy as yeah. well. So, yeah. And it has the
0: aggression, right? Like it's got the aggression that Definitely, you kind of yeah. want as a young person, yeah. or an older person too. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, I still want it. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, same here, same here. I'm still, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to listen to some Mob Forty Seven after all this Mob Forty Seven talk. Later on, <laughs> okay. you know, yeah. Um, it, how did that split that you guys did with Ill Repute and Trigger Happy and Good Riddance and Strung Out come about? Because once again, you guys are doing a split with
1: another Oxnard band. Uh huh. Okay. Um, oh, I can't remember. It was definitely through Bad Taste. Because, I mean, even though we were on Bernie Heart and they were releasing our full-length albums at, at that time, we were still, I mean, we were friends with Bjorn. so And he, we could release like the splits and uh, other stuff and be on their compilations. So I'm sure it was Bjorn that put it together. I can't really remember how that... Cause I think we talked we, when we did Snow Jam in '97. We did it with uh, good, good rhythms, so probably we talked to them about it on that tour because we got along really good, so and, uh, really well. So probably it started there. We just talked about it because uh, that was early '97, and I think it's released fall '97 or something like that. So maybe we'd like we talked to them and then talked to Bjorn. I can't really remember, and then I mean. We toured with Trigger Happy in Europe in 97 as well. So that's probably how that came together. Ill repute, I'm I'm not really sure how they got on it. I, I can't remember that.
0: And yeah, they're kind of the odd band out on that comp. Like, yeah. I love that band too.
1: It's, yeah, me too. But it seemed like, I don't know. Oh, I, I can't remember. <laughs> A long time ago.
0: <laughs> Yeah, no problem at all with that. I, thought, I Also, I remember, you know, once again, just uh, trying to remember all the, through all the years. Was there like another band that was supposed to be on it? at 1.2? I
1: have no idea. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm not, no, no, I, I really don't know. I'm going to have to do part
0: two with Al from Trigger Happy and get to the bottom yeah, of this. Yeah, uh... definitely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> might uh, have the information.
0: What was it like um, on that first tour of Canada, that first snow jam that you guys did play on?
1: Uh, the first tour, but the first tour in Canada was, uh, was not, wasn't the snow jam. That's when you guys played the opera house, right? In Toronto? Yeah. The, yeah. that's what <laughs> the I'm first, thinking of that's where I'm confused I'm we sorry went, well we went to uh, let's see here yeah we went to Canada in June 96 uh, just we were ma- mostly in I mean we stayed in Montreal at the uh, Patch uh, from Greenland he yep. was booking the shows and he drove us around and uh, so we're staying there so we're kind of based there and then we drove we drove to Toronto I think we stayed there for a couple of nights. We, our very first show in in Canada was in the back room at the Rotate This. That was the first show in Canada. Really? You guys
0: did a back room yeah, at yeah. this show? Yeah. I had first, no first idea. Show. That's crazy. Yeah. That's like, uh, oh, man. That, I, I'm very bummed that I missed that
1: back then because that was my favorite <laughs> venue to see shows. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was cool. Just in the afternoon, I remember Alan. I think Alan Mark from Trigger Happy were there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Just, so we started talking to them right away and we, then we played the opera house i think the day after and it was uh empty no people <laughs> at all like n- like i don't know 20 30 40 people i don't
0: know it's terrible it was a weird sh- th- it was like was it you guys in stealth maybe and i'm trying to remember who was on what, i remember i remember what, being a, a
1: stealth is that
0: the with Someone from the Bad Brains was in it. Yeah, exactly. that was the Snow Jam tour.
1: That was the Snow Jam
0: tour. That's the Snow Jam tour. Okay, I'm confusing. In, yeah,
1: that was Snow Jam in 97. But I can't remember who we played with in 96 at the Opera House. Just remember that, wow, there's no one here. and Because we heard, like, <laughs> that. oh, there's going to be a lot of people at the shows. <laughs> but I guess that was in Montreal and Quebec City and those <laughs> other places. Uh, well, it, it's also funny because, like, Toronto, it's weird. Like, it's
0: it's very much like, I guess what, you know, you're describing goes on in Sweden too. It's like very of the trend and it was like another year before the trend would really hit Toronto in a big way. And Uh, like, you you see that when you, you know, when, when you would come back for that snow jam show and that place was
1: packed. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was cool because the shows we did in Montreal and Quebec city, they were, yeah, they, they were really big. Yeah, Toronto wasn't that good and I, I remember Lagwagon was uh, they were touring at the same time also stayed at the pa- Padgett's house uh, for one night and we I think we went with them to Quebec City just to hang out because we had a lot of days off I, I'm not sure what we were doing in Canada I mean, we didn't have that many <laughs> shows just hanging out in Montreal drinking beer that's what we <laughs> did and then so one night we just yeah we'll tag along Lagwagon up to Quebec city. And there was like 3000 people. I think you've seen them. There was so many people. It was ridiculous. So huge. Yeah.
0: It was, there was one point in Quebec city. I remember that the, uh, punkorama comp was like on the charts, like the mainstream <laughs> yeah. music charts. Yeah. And it's like, it, it, it's, it's amazing how, like, it's just, it's funny how certain types of music take hold certain places, you know, like, like something as abrasive as yeah. D beat, for example, like it's, it's amazing. Like, you know, Sweden, Japan, uh, like certain countries in South America, like you have like these countries where that sound would take hold in a major way. And then yeah. other places, not really as much.
1: No, exactly. yeah. it's, it's weird. I, I guess it's still, I mean, like the melodic punk, I guess is still big in, in Quebec region, I guess. Yeah. We played at the um, we played at Montebello Fest a couple of years ago. It was really, really
0: good. Oh, I was just going to say that's one of the craziest yeah. punk festivals I've ever been to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you played there? Yeah, we played there a couple of years ago. And I remember as yeah. we're leaving, on the first night to go home, there's a river of urine running down the main street. Like- <laughs> yeah, I
1: can imagine. Yeah, it was... It's like no shade for two days either. I mean, just out in the sun all the time, and uh, no, yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, it was cool. I mean, it's first time in Canada in a long time. It was 2015, so yeah, almost 10 years since the last time. So. Well,
0: our uh, my band's one of our re- our record release party was opening for you guys. One of our very first shows. Yeah, that's. I mean, I talked to Rodrigo about what year was that. Gosh, that would have been 2004 or three. I think. Who, who did we play with? Uh, was it the
1: tour with Belvedere? I think it might have been with Belvedere. And then, we we went there in 2000, but that's too early.
0: You no, know, that was been too early, yeah. It was been a few oh, years yeah, after But that. Then
1: it's uh, two, 2002. Cause 2002, cause that's, 2002 uh, that, like, that's what yeah.
0: would have been yeah. it
1: was. Yeah, because uh, I remember t- Rodrigo was talking about he bought your uh, –
0: yeah he bought it with a photocopied cover which is exactly um, yeah and it was like he and it was like the coolest i'm like holy fuck this band is real now like the singer satanic (laughs) surfers just bought a couple copies of our (laughs) records he plays in intensity too this is too real yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. well he was buying records back then i can tell you that was all he was doing oh yeah i can i have that unfortunately
0: that addiction myself as i sit in this room (laughs) Why? Also, I've always wondered why isn't you think that was vinyl just not really a thing in Sweden? Because like none of you bands, certain none of you bands, uh, none of the, a lot of the bands did vinyl early on. Like it was mainly just CDs. Is that there were yeah, there no pressing no. plants?
1: I think we, nobody was buying vinyl at that point. Yeah, I think from from like the late eighties when CD took over and vinyl just it went away in Sweden. So I don't think I don't think we. Well, there was some, I think, some of our albums were released on uh, on vinyl, but like nobody really cared about it in the nineties. So it was CD was that was the... except for the really fast comps. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there was, was still some of that, but I think, but still, I mean, when Rodrigo started Future Filth, uh Conspiracy, his yeah. record label, I think he was doing vinyl straight away, and that was in '97. But so I guess for the like the underground punk probably it's always been vinyl, so...
0: Yeah, because all your records that did come out on vinyl, I think it was, like, the foreign pressings, right? Like,
1: Ghent Records. Yeah, well, uh, th- exactly. Uh, but they did, I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. They, they did it for 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 the Burning Heart releases, at least. That's what I remember. But, uh, yeah, I don't think, I mean, nobody was buying vinyl in Sweden, so, yeah. Just the Belgians. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. Well, he, I mean, he's... Still, now I guess those those albums are the ones to get, but uh, I, don't know. I think I have some copies still. It's
0: amazing, like how you know, like at the time, you know, like when you buy these records on vinyl, you're like, oh well, this is you know, this is just like something that I'm going to cherish as an artifact for myself. And then years later, you're like trying to buy another copy of it because you want to get the other color of vinyl, and you're like, damn it, I should have bought <laughs> way more back then. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. It was- yeah, some I don't know, I'm not a record collector, but it, I just sometimes when I see like an expensive record, I just, okay, but like fifteen or twenty years ago, it, it was everywhere. Why, why did not I buy it Yeah, back then? I mean, don't don't um, go looking uh,
0: for those early anti semic seven inches now or that Mob Forty Seven um, seven inch. Uh, <laughs> I won't.
1: No. no, I'm I've never been I've never been a collector, so no, that's that's not really
0: my thing. It's it's funny how it's like it just once again like certain sounds take to certain places. The a disease known as collecting takes to certain people. Like in my yeah. band, I'm one of the only real—I'm probably the only one who has the illness uh, at this point. But like okay, you're saying, yeah. Rodrigo's like the collector for you guys too. Yeah, from the sounds yeah, of yeah. It. yeah,
1: definitely, yeah, yeah. But I guess he, he's always been interested. I mean, especially since he was releasing um, when he started his record label, he started trading with mm-hmm. uh, so many uh, all over the world. I guess so. I mean, he always getting new either buying or trading albums all the time. So, I mean, that's that was his life <laughs> for many, many years. Did you guys ever tour Japan? Yeah, we've been there. I uh, think, let's see. Yeah, three times. Uh, went there just for a festival the first time, just one show uh, mm-hmm. in th- 2005. Uh, played like a big, I think it was like, kind of like a showcase thing. They flew in bands from, all of the I remember we were hanging out with against me and Randy were playing the Swedish band. Yep, they were playing and a lot of death metal stuff. It was just there was just one show. Then we went back the year after did three shows uh, together with uh, Veneria, the Swedish band. If you know them. No. Yeah. See? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So we did three shows with them. Then we went back in 2016 with no fun at all. So.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, it was. It's. It was cool.
0: That's like my, my hell to tour because of the addiction collecting problem.
1: Yeah. you talked about it. Yeah. (laughs) I remember from other podcasts. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It still haunts my nightmares. (laughs) I finally did taxes the other day and I'm like, I can't afford to go to that country anymore. I just <laughs> need to never ever go there. That's a problem when you're when you're touring is like buying records. And I think it's even I'm I'm I know I'm taking it from a Satanic Surfer song, like you know buying records is really what gets you through emotionally sometimes when you're away on tour. So it becomes almost like a coping mechanism of just buying vinyl.
1: Ah, uh, okay, yeah, uh, I can imagine.
0: Um, where uh, sort when you guys did when you did decide to call it a day, what led to the uh, initial decision to, to stop for a while?
1: Well, I'm not really sure. The thing is, I wasn't in the band for the last, uh, almost a year, six months. anyway. I quit the band in, uh, let's see, in 2006, we did, we went to Japan and then we went to Brazil. And after that, I, I, I quit the band and, uh, And I think they they did a Canadian tour right after Mm -hmm. in 2006 with the Mad Caddis and and, uh, a few bands. And uh, I think they, I'm not really sure because I wasn't in contact with other guys that much. I think it took about, I think it was in early 2007, they said like, well, okay, let's make it official. We're not a band anymore. And I think everybody was just a bit tired of it. Been doing it for a long time. Yeah. It's like. Next step was writing a new album, and I'm sure, or I think, I don't know, people moved away, doing like moving on, wanted to do other bands. I think, and just I think it was the right time. That last, I mean, the last year, Japan and Brazil were amazing tours. It was a perfect ending for 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 me. But we did a couple of European tours, like in 2005. Was I don't know. Not a lot of people. It was okay, but it's like it felt like maybe it was time just to pack it in. (laughs) So I'm not really sure uh, because, like I said, I I wasn't around just for the decision. So
0: why why did you? What made you decide to finally? You know, like obviously those are the great greatest ways you could possibly go out as far as touring goes—Brazil and Japan. But was it just like you're saying? Were you just tired of it? Because like, it it, did you do
1: another band afterwards or not right away? I, I think. I I finished school because I was going to school for the last couple of years when I was in the band and I just finished that and I've, I don't know, I've been in the band since 93 so it was almost yeah, 13 years in the band yeah. and I just, I don't know, I just can't really explain now because now I'm just so happy to play music again but I think I was a bit tired of maybe not being in a band but... Uh, it was time to do something else, and yeah, I think it took two two years or something for me to actually join a band again. So yeah, just had some time. I started working instead, so playing what, guitar at home instead, just for a while. Yeah. What what, what did you do when
0: you were wor- like you know like did you did you have a career in mind when you stopped doing the band? I think like I'm fascinated by it because I find anyone that's able to kind of just walk away from it, you know, willingly. It's it's definitely like did you have a plan in mind or was it something you kind of yeah just...
1: I was yeah I I w- just finished uh, like a um, let's say I just yeah uh, I oh I'm just gonna think about here yeah I studied English for a year and a half and then I uh, studied uh, translation for a year and a half so I, I got like a degree in translation so I'm a translator that's what I do. I, uh, translating books and uh, movies and tv shows and stuff like that. i still do that uh at the same time as the band now but uh yeah that's that's it's so kind of i mean that's not why i started going to school because uh, i mean i think we were touring less and less the last couple of years when i was in the band and i started thinking maybe i should get an education right? maybe i should do something <laughs> uh with my li- other with my life but so it wasn't like a plan like okay when i when I finish my education, I'm just going to quit the band, but it kind of coincided actually, mm-hmm. so yeah Wait, and that- at, at that time, it just felt good to be on my own somehow because I've been kind of dependent on three or four other people for <laughs> 13 years, not, not all the time, but, but still I had to be available to go out on tour or do stuff, and it just felt felt a little bit free. The first couple of years, actually, just making money on my own instead.
0: So, yeah, yeah, not having to worry about where everyone else wants to eat for lunch, you can just pick your own restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> that's one.
0: Oh, well, I can relate to that. Definitely can relate. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and then when you you know when you guys were approached to kind of get back together, was it that was it uh, the festival in Montreal or Quebec that approached you guys, and was that what led to you guys doing the reunion?
1: Yeah. Well. We, let's see, we, yeah, well, it was, I, I remember talking to Rodrigo and he said he had some some other offers and that's what led me to just started thinking about, I don't know, playing in the band again and maybe reunite the band because I haven't thought about it that much. But we talked about it uh, a couple of times, just went out for coffee and sat down and talked. And, uh, and a couple of months later, we actually got an offer from uh, from Montebello uh, Rockfest, Amnesia Rockfest. And uh, that's when we started talking about it more seriously and just, okay, if me, Rodrigo, and Frederick are in the band, we we, we could do it and we'll see who, who's going to play drums and, and bass because we had a couple of different guys doing that before. So we started like the summer, or maybe in September 2014, we started planning for the summer of 2015. Well, That's when the festival in Quebec was going to be. And we had no idea, like, okay, are we going to do one show five shows what's gonna happen we had no idea like like are we gonna enjoy this or just want to do it for just a couple of shows but uh, we, we didn't seriously we had no idea so it took a while just to work everything out and then when the rumors started spreading like the fall of 2014 the festivals in europe started like uh, making offers as well so, so okay well let's do this summer like just do like 15 shows or something like that and see what happens. and yeah. <laughs> so that's that's what happened. And, but I mean, I think it was my idea, idea to get the band back together just, or just start talking about it. But I think Rodrigo was probably thinking about it as well. He wanted to do it. What was your other band called in between? Uh, it's called Revenge. Revenge. Perfect name for googling. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say I got to check this band out, but that's going to be hard. Yeah, well, I probably I should send you a link or something because please. It's in, yeah, well, it's me. It, it's me and my my brother on bass, and uh, then uh, Stefan who plays drums in Satanic Surfers. Now he plays drums, and uh, the singer from Benaria and the guitar player from Benaria. Uh, so the five of us, we played like, released one album i guess in 2013 and uh we have another album recorded but it's like we haven't done anything with that band in in a couple of years so i don't know i think when we started playing with satanic surface again it kind of we didn't really have time to do that and um, i'd love to play shows or record more cuz i think it was it was kind of melodic it was more hardcore than satanic like a bit more I don't know, more aggressive, but still uh, a bit melodic. Uh, but it was cool. Uh, I'll send you a link because uh, yeah. it's on Spotify. It's on on Spotify, but but we're called Revenge, so It might be hard to find, but uh, it's, Oh, I, I, I have it's Spotify, and I'm good
0: at searching on there. I found I found. Some okay, deep well, that
1: shouldn't shouldn't be a problem then. And i am just... go on. I'm Sorry, no, you go. No, no,
0: I was just, I was just going to say no. I'm really stoked to check it out
1: oh yeah um, and we have i'd love to get there because that was just a demo we think stefan had been in the band for a week or two when we record we just we're rehearsing the same songs forever because it was just a i don't know a band where we we just want to have fun we just went down to the rehearsal space once a week or something and just didn't think about doing anything with the band actually just a couple of Old guys just trying to play some music, and uh, but then Stefan pl- came into the band, and we recorded what we thought was a demo. Uh, it sounded pretty good, we thought, and we just sent it to some record labels, and uh, and they were, one label wanted to to release it. So <laughs> I don't know, it's it's all right, but uh, I wish we had recorded again, but uh, that's that's for another time, I guess.
0: Uh, is your brother? Did your brother play in? Uh in
1: intensity yeah i yeah, he did he played in satanic surface as well
0: so yeah, yeah that's right and 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 he was also in like some was he in like a hardcore band to a crust band
1: he played yeah he played in uh snifter snifter one, that's uh, it
0: snifter. you guys kind of like kept up both of you going to shows both of you being involved in the scene ultimately playing together the whole way through and it's just uh you know, it's just amazing <laughs> that you guys discover this music together and are still playing together all these years later.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. For I mean, I think I moved down here to south of like south of Sweden two years before him, but right away when he came down here, we started playing again in a band called Everyday Madness. It's we have an album out on uh, Bad Taste Records. Uh, it's with Rodrigo, and so we started playing and. Uh, so I guess we just picked up <laughs> from where we left off when I, when I moved away from home. So it's, yeah, it's, it's cool. I mean, right now he's working, he has family, so he doesn't have that much time to, to play music right now, but we're, we're, we're going to play together again. I mean, it's just a question of getting get the, the time to do it. So, but, yeah.
0: Oh, oh Everyday Madness. One. Is that like, uh. Oh, I totally remember that CD. Now that I'm looking at the cover art for it, that's crazy. I had no idea you were in that band. I had no idea what the lineup okay. of that band was. That was just like one of those random CDs I bought at Rotate. This.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, because it's Rodrigo and it's Frederick and me uh, from Satanic as well, and and my brother on bass, and he wrote all the songs for that album. So yeah, and um, just yeah, two friends singing. So. <laughs> it's kind of, we, but it, it wasn't it, really. It wasn't really a band. I mean, we just. We practiced a bit, and I just I think we did like four or five shows, and, and uh, I think and Bjorn wanted to release it, so it was cool.
0: And it's like a lot more aggressive, right? Like or less yeah,
1: melodic. Yeah, yeah. It's more crust. Uh, yeah, total crust. crust. Total crust. <laughs> something, something like that. Yeah. I got to go back and listen to it, uh, Magnus. This has
0: been amazing, man. Thank you so much for taking the time and talking to me today. I've, I've taken away yeah, most of your no morning
1: or evening for you. More, no, and this. Yeah, well, I, I've i done all my chores for today. So it's, <laughs> I, I'm all right. Well, right. Yeah, it's, it's been really fun.
0: Well, I was going to say, we're going to meet up. We're going to be uh, in at 77 Fest together. So I, I'd love yeah. a chance to to catch up in person, man, and, and get to hang out and say hello. Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. We're looking forward to that. Getting back to Montreal again. It's going to be fun.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that's going to be like – yeah you know, like that's, that that's the ultimate kind of Montreal punk experience. The fact that you've got like a giant festival now as indicative of like how big that scene is there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, looking forward to it.
0: Awesome, man. And one day we'll do a part two, of course, as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'd love to whenever. <laughs> awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on the yeah. show. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Magnus, for coming on the show. And Magnus will be back, uh, well, hopefully in the very near future in person at the live Turn Out of Punk extravaganza. But if not that, he will definitely be on stage at the amazing 77 Montreal Festival. Once again, the whole thing is going down July 27th as part of the Satanic Surfers who will be playing. And you better believe I will be up there watching them play. I'm very excited to see them play. And I'm very excited to do this next part for you. Uh, actually, before I do that, I'm just going to let this be the end of the show, this this whole little mini podcast with my co-host. Before that, I do that, I should announce next week's guest. Next week on the show, it is J.D. Sampson of the band Le Tigre of the band men and of just, you know, awesomeness. That is one that you will not want to miss. Uh, it's a, it's a cool chat I got to have and uh, yeah, you're, it's going to be awesome. There will also be another surprise next week on the show as well in You know, conjunction with the 77 Montreal Festival That is going down, but yeah Also, once again, please order your tickets for The 26th as well At Les Ministres, there will be a Live Turned Out of Punk podcast At 7pm Be there, there's going to be a lot of cool guests A lot of Turned Out of Punk Favorites, like, I've been Lucky in the past, I've gotten to put on uh, A lot of cool You know, Turned Out of Punk live events You know, I've gotten to have you know, some cool friends of ours be there Some some really, you know Some some great, great shows But this is the one This is the one, you know Look at that roster of bands playing this festival And, you know, just take your pick Of people that you'd like to be on the show You know, because I'm Whew, there's a lot of people I want to have on this thing That are going to be playing that thing Okay, that's it I have gone on long enough So, uh, that's it uh, for this show, uh, JD Sampson next week. Check that out. Remember to go out there and tell all your friends about this podcast. Let everyone know that we're doing this thing here. Remember to RSVP for those House of Van shows. I assure you, the special guest for New York is one that you will not want to miss. I. Very, very excited about hopefully getting down to that one and being able to watch this band in that venue. Because this venue, is, it's the last year, I think. This is the last year they're going to have the House of Vans in Brooklyn. And that venue is a venue I got to play a lot of cool shows at. You know, a lot of... saw a lot of amazing shows there as well. And uh this summer, we're going to see a lot more. So, you know, bittersweet saying goodbye to that place. Been a cool spot for many, many years now. Uh But... You want to hear who's on. (laughs) as my co-host on this uh, upcoming live podcast. And that's why you're sticking around. So uh, go out there and make your own culture. And before I see you next week, please enjoy my co-host for the live Turned Out a Punk podcast in Montreal on July 26th. Returning to the show for the third time, Zach Blair from Rise Against, from GWAR. From government flu, from only crime, from hagfish, from Dracula's, from vanishing life, from uh, I could go on forever. I'm, I know I'm uh uh, 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 uh forbidding cause from like I know I'm forgetting other stuff too. Um, from the greatest story ever told. Anyway, he will be joining me on stage. Here is Zach Blair. See you next week. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs> Zach, thank you, my friend, for coming on the show and joining the illustrious three club. Hey, buddy. How's it going? You know, I was thinking like
3: I need a punch card or something. I know that I'm also – and I get like one – I get one free after five or something. But you know – but what I was thinking is like you know, on on Saturday Night Live – I'm a huge Saturday Night Live fan. I think it's my favorite show ever Um, and – when someone has hosted five times, they get, like, a jacket. They did mm-hmm. a skit where they were, like, the five-timers clubs, like Tom, Tom Hanks and John Goodman and Steve Martin. So, like, I, I'm working you my act way like touring, I don't but, know when
0: Alec Baldwin joined the club.
3: Well, I'm so sorry. Of course. Of course I might have. I should have known. But <laughs> well, my point is, like, as soon as I become a five-timer for turned out a Punk, we need to, like – Make the like a leather jacket, like or, yeah. or or you know a denim a denim vest, like the punk version of that. That's what we need.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think we'll yeah. have we'll have uh, the five time club for turn of punk will be a cocaine spoon. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That is just with my
3: initials engraved. Uh,
0: yes, exactly. Yeah. The most unused item in turn of punk history. Ah, maybe that not by true. every guest, but certainly by most what of the guests. Happens. Well, most of the fucking guests. yeah exactly how you been man how you doing I'm okay man it's been it's been a while like we haven't we've talked on the phone a little bit recently but we haven't well, hung yeah. out in person a while we have
3: not hung out we text a lot but we don't have i mean look we're both are touring guys we're touring mm-hmm. stuff and you're a, a dad mm-hmm. so and you know there's there's a whole the whole thing of like America between us. There's that. yes, You know, which is, I mean, shit. And I say all of America because I'm in Texas at the, like the Southern, you know, I'm in Austin. So it's pretty much all of America's between
0: us. So we, you know, I guess we just have to try to make it work, buddy. Well, I want you to know that, uh, in the spirit of Texas, this podcast has become, at least in the last month, predominantly a Texas podcast with guests. You know,
3: I have noticed Okay, I did notice Autry, my buddy Autry. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, who, Bandmate Autry as well. Uh, Autry, yeah. Who
3: He's sort of back and forth between Austin and Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So I I, I don't – and he's not a native Texan. I have a real thing about native Texans. See, I'm a native. Oh, I've got like, some native Texans, here. my friend. Well, you know, when people move here to Austin, I, it's the first thing I ask them. Or if I meet new people, I'm like, are you from Texas? And you don't have to be from Austin, but are you from – because like – I feel like you get to live in Austin if you paid your fucking dues and if you're from Texas and you dealt with all the bullshit of being a weirdo from Texas and you got fucked with in high school like I did. Then you get to move to Austin. But if you're from Silver Lake or Williamsburg
0: and you move here because you think it's fucking hip,
3: yeah, yeah, I don't want to talk to you.
0: Yeah, you know? no, I, I could definitely I, see that. But no, these guys are both Fat Tony, who's from Houston, and Matt okay. Jackson, who I forget the ranch he said he was he grew up on, but it was like okay. Denton was I think the biggest town near no him. Shit! So he's okay. kind of well, local to you.
3: That's real shit. Yeah, I mean Denton's fucking twenty minutes away from where I was born in ready. So that's 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 real shit.
0: Okay. That's All what right. I'm saying. We're we're going we're going pretty we're going Texas on the show. <laughs> You're
3: going from pretty fucking Texas. I mean, I'll I'll. <laughs> I'll bow down to that shit. You
0: know, you're Texas. <laughs> okay, you got it. <laughs> well, how does it feel Even, to be back in Texas? You just got off tour. It's good, man. It's always, it's always good.
3: I, you know, and I'm a little ashamed at how, how much I, you know, I get, I land, and I hear the first stupid fucking Texas accent, and I'm like, oh, all right. And it's, it's comforting, you know, for all of its faults. It's my goddamn home, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's nice, man. I mean, we were gone for shit like five weeks in europe doing european festivals and stuff and it was great and we saw a bunch of great bands and you know that's the thing and you feel like you tour with those bands you know bands you would normally never be with you know it's because you're just playing the same festivals it's usually the same lineups and um you know Fortunately, we were seeing bad religion a lot who you know we love those guys but you know like culture abuse guys got to see them Got to see a bunch of cool, cool bands. But then bands I would never, you know, like Meshuggah. You know, we're yeah. on a ton of festivals with Meshuggah and other great metal bands. You know, we played one festival with uh, Judas Priest, which I was freaking out about. You know, but also, dude, we played a, the Hellfest in in France, outside of France. I'm sure you've done it with the fucking Hard-ons and the Sperm Birds.
0: That's fucking, fucking awesome.
3: Dude, right? The fucking sp- I saw it on the lineup, and I seriously did a double take. I was like, "The sperm!" <laughs> so of course I went over there. I mean, I was a jaunt too. Like, and when they played at like noon, so you know, I just fucking got up and ran over there to see him, and it was it was amazing. The hard-ons were amazing. So yeah, it was a cool it was a cool month
0: for sure. What's the what's the what's the cartoon ca- character they on the cover? The comic book character, like Cherubis. Sh- 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 Gerber.
3: Oh, Cerebrus. yeah,
0: Cerebrus. the the like horse looking
3: guy, yeah, 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 I, yeah. I used to, I used to read those comic
0: books when I was a kid. Actually. Same, and I have not thought about that comic book until you brought up Sperm Birds, dude. Right? So, Cere- there was Cerebrus
3: and then there was um, Grew the Wanderer. Do you remember Grew the Wanderer? It was Sergio Aragones? When you say that? I gotta I gotta look that up. Look up <laughs> Gru the Wanderer. 'Cause it's oh there it is. He's like a he's like a he's kind of like a samurai. Oh yeah, smash. of
0: course I remember grew the yeah. Wanderer. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I remember buying it by mistake as a kid, thinking it was gonna be a, a, a superhero comic because it had the, you know, the the Spider Man yeah. thing on it. And then, you know, later on realizing, of course, that it was a mad magazine connection there too. Oh, it's
3: so it's so hysterical. It was a great shit. But I just I don't know why. I mean Cerberus and Grew the water had nothing to do with each other. I just remember it was like the same era. Yeah. But yeah, dude, fucking sperm birds. It was just crazy. And it was so authentic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, that is so, so the thing. So the like late 80s crossover thrash, you know, like if you're not of it or from it, like it doesn't, you're not doing it right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you know, but.
0: Uh, How that. Anyway. That, all the footage I saw from that show looked ridiculous <laughs> like yeah, the place was
3: bananas it's it looked like, insane it's like, for someone that doesn't know what the Hellfest is it's like this
0: festival that's held outside of paris it's in france no you can't and, do that you can't fun. do that no 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 you got to give the real history it's a festival that started in a community center in syracuse that, that somehow true became fucking glastonbury for hardcore it
3: really fucking did. You're right. And actually, Only Crime played it one year, where um, oh fuck, it was like almost a riot. We played it one year, and it was before. I guess so. so I guess these people in France bought the name pretty much Hellfest. Okay, it, it's okay. Now, so
0: it's not, I was like wondering, is like, do they have like the dudes from Syracuse? I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Unfortunately, who, who used to- I think I. You know, I'm, I'm talking out of
3: out of school here but i think they still have something to do with that i'm really not okay. sure but I gotta look into and that. honestly i i thought it was complete coincidence which is called hellfest because that sounds cool but apparently i was told the other day that like it is the same and they they sort of bought the name and shit but have you played this one no we've never played it about?
0: no never
3: played Dude, that it's a festival grounds that a guy owns the property he owns the land and so it stays up year round, and it is bananas. The place, the stage we played was called the War Zone, and it looks like a prison yard out of a Mad Max movie. I, could, I'm, I, dude, it's got razor wire all the way around the site, watchtowers like watchtowers with, with, with um, searcher lights coming out of them. The soundboard is in another huge watchtower, dude. It's insane. It's crazy, but it's predominantly metal. It's a lot of metal. Yeah. So, like, you know, the, the, the now it is. Like, Judas Priest headlined one night and Ozzy headlined one night. You know, it's
0: it's it's intense, man. It was well, fucking crazy. <laughs> depending on your definition of hardcore, the Hellfest back in the day was pretty metal as well. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, okay, not Judas Priest, mind you, but you're completely right. Matter of fact, I have a DVD
3: from the Hellfest in 2003, and Lamb of God were on it, actually. But people didn't give a fuck; they were still doing doing all the shit to them, you know.
0: Yeah, when, and I, when only Crime played it, was it the year that Bad Luck 13 played it? And like, yes, that- and they were throwing what people
3: thought was saw blades, <laughs> like like you know table saw blades into it. Was, it turned out it was just CDs, but people thought they were throwing saw blades into the crowd yeah and they threw a, a pig's head they threw a fucking pig's head yes they sure did <laughs> they did it was and it just went <laughs> banana. like quickly got out of out of head dude were you there
0: no but well i it, that sh- i was not there but that show is one of the most legendary shows and jay from bad luck has been on this podcast before and i guess they're one of those bands where you know, it seems like that was just like another average night. <laughs> well, dude, yeah. And it's sure—it's crazy that just happened to be the
3: one time like Only Crime played. <laughs> yeah. And I can't remember if it was that, but I think it might have been that year the DRI played as well. Like DRI played some other, like they played, I think it was this festival, I can't remember. And all I remember is just at one point, all of the like dudes that were a little older just went and watched DRI. You know what I mean? Like, while all the other hardcores happened, it's like, I'm fucking going to see DRI. Um, (laughs) You should get one
0: of those guys on.
3: You should get Kirk. Over DRI? Fuck
0: yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. That'd be unbelievable.
3: Dude, fuck. Either Spike or, you know, yeah. Felix, the the original drummer, Felix, he he lives here in Austin. I see that guy ever so often, but I always get kind of weird around him because I'm like, you're fucking Felix from D.R.I.
0: Yeah, like that band to anyway. me, it's like that would be such an interesting story to go from like, you know, Texas to that, you know, San Francisco, very political Dude, that right? scene to being right? a, a legit metal band for
3: a while. Well, they sure—they sh- certainly were, and you know, one of the pre- like the the forefathers of like, well, fuck it, I like punk, I like metal, I'm going to mix the two. You
0: know yeah. what I mean? And which like, for me was like great. What else? But like, you know, and I'm not to cut you off, but to be real, that's kind of your trajectory too. <laughs> it's absolutely my trajectory,
3: and it's absolutely what gave me sort of the impetus to like oh, you can do this. Like, you yeah. can listen to both these things and you can play both these things. Fuck it, you know? And then just, for me, I didn't really play in one band that sound, you know, I was like in a metal band or I was in a punk band, you know what I mean? Which is fine.
0: Yeah. When I on... mean, I still listen to both. Sorry, no, go on. I, I cut you off. <laughs> no, go much. for it. Go for it. When, no. when, when you were on tour with Guar, though, there must have been like some gnarly-ass shows. Like, did, does everyone? did everyone get it with Guar? Or were there like kids that would come, or people, I should say, that come to the shows that just like didn't really understand what was going on
3: well by that point it was you know i got in the band in 98 or 99 so people knew what fucking guar was you know what i mean it was like it was the same places they had been playing for quite a while and, and it was it was that crowd. They weren't getting, like, picketed or, you know, protested because people didn't know that it was a big joke. And, you know, so all of that shit was seemingly m- more or less behind it, you know. You know, and so, so we didn't have to deal with much of that shit, you know. Um, Post-Empire you know what's Records. funny? Yeah. You know what's funny is, like, I realize our original Turnout of Punk, um, we only made it to, like, The Guar like we I joined Guar, and then we were you had to we had to go. It was like oh, oh yeah. we'll, we'll do a number two.
0: We never did a number two. We so. never did do we? Did, no, but I I can swear I thought we did. No, that's right. We never did do a number two. Do we get how you left Guar? Do we talk about that? I'm
3: I'm 44 and I'm laughing hysterically at the fact that you and me keep saying we never did a number two. Anyway,
0: um, <laughs> we have done a number two. It's the best we definitely have.
3: ever, ever. It's the ever. best. Well, awesome. you're
0: right. That's, you're right. We did.
3: We we didn't do one about like we didn't pick up where that one left off, but we did do the number two of of me and and, and uh I mean I call him Al, but he, Hasan, MVP, yeah. MVP, yes, Hassan, yeah,
0: yes, yeah. yes. He, yeah. He's like so we did. You're right. At the at the yeah like and that to me is still the best episode of this podcast. Like that to me is the the closest thing to a real life stand by me story I've ever heard without having to see a dead body. <laughs> I have people come to
3: me still, odd, uh, you know, just odd, whatever people. And they're like, man, I heard that fucking, that podcast you did. And when you got reintroduced to your buddy and he's a fucking famous wrestler, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. It has, it has legs. It has legs.
0: Oh my episode. God. Yeah. Well, I've told that story to people and they've teared up. Holy shit. That's amazing. It's an incredible story. It's an incredible story. It is an incredible story. It is an incredible story. And, you know, just add to that the macho man and the, you know, the Misfits angle.
3: (laughs) Well, you know what's funny? You know what's funny is we also got acquainted with the band Arch Enemy doing these festivals, which we would never play with that band before. Yeah. Or, you know, but we're playing a bunch of festivals with them. And their singer, her name is Alicia, um, former she, guest of the show. No shit. Okay. From Montreal. Yep. yep. She is, uh, with Doyle from the misfits. And so I had to sort of like relay. I told her that story as well. And she was like, <laughs> Oh my God. So yeah. Yeah. Well, craziness.
0: You ready to get your mind blown even further, Zach? What's that? She has a sister named Jasmine who plays in a band called no joy that my cousin Garland was the drummer of. Holy fuck, it's a
3: small goddamn world when you're talking to Damien.
0: No, I think it's just the fact that this punk world, when you're talking to Zach, man, like who else would be connecting MVP
3: to Bill Stevenson? I, dude, I, exactly. Like that's, that's, it's crazy that I'm the conduit between that. I will say one thing that girl's voice. Alicia. I mean, holy shit. It's insane. She sounds like Randy Black from Lamb of God and or, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's fucking gnarly. Have you ever heard
0: No Joy, her sister's band? No, no, I've never heard it. Totally different. 100% like two, two siblings as someone who's made, you know, several bands with their sibling over the years and played with their sibling a lot, you know, but two siblings could not have two more different bands. Uh, but No Joy is like kind of this like I don't guess like shoegaze but like but I don't I don't want to like stick it in that like it's it's definitely worth them checking out. They just did a record with Sonic okay. Boom from Spaceman 3. Okay.
3: Okay, I'll check it out. That sounds awesome. Um yeah, but, that was that, that was that was yeah, that was a cool experience. It was
0: yeah. I Anyway, uh, <laughs> also since we last did a podcast and this leads into where we left off, uh I got to hang out uh twice now with uh your former bandmate and one of the more intense guests that's ever been on this podcast, uh, Mr. Bill Stevenson. And oh uh, Jesus, you had Bill on. Wait. Yeah, I had Bill on.
3: Shit! How did I not
0: know that? It's it's because it's the flag episode, and oh, 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 I had to interview all of them at once, and it was insane. <laughs>
3: Yeah, you got you gotta get
0: you gotta get Bill on his own. (laughs) I
3: think I do. (laughs) You know, Um, you definitely need to. I'm I'm somewhat Bill's interpreter too when we're together. He'll just kinda like like lean over to me and say stuff that I just kinda well Bill is saying, you know, I sort of have to I mean I take I take on the, the responsibility because I love that man, you know, more than than just about anybody, um, and he's you know absolutely my mentor, and the reason I have a career and all of it, and my brother, you know, he's family, yes. and and also i still could not be a bigger fan of everything he does, but uh, yeah, he's <laughs> he's fucking interesting, that's for sure.
0: It was it was like it, I also <laughs> we played a festival, um, sound on sound, the late great sound on sound in in Austin. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And, or just outside Austin, I should have said. Um, and Bill was playing in The Descendants, and his room was right next to my room at the hotel. And that oh, sure dude is. had a party in his room every night. Of course he did. Every night? Of course
3: he did. Yeah, he goes for it. Eventually, he's he's he's, had, he's having a good time.
0: Yeah. Eventually, I had to stop fighting it, and I just would go out and join it. Because it would always be oh, something yeah. interesting. Like I met Scott from all there. I met like so many interesting dude. people.
3: Scott is still one of my favorite songwriters of all time, mm-hmm. and he's his voice and just yeah, everything about scott i love I love Scott Reynolds like uh, yeah, his solo stuff I mean he's got the steaming beast record that's amazing, and yeah, and pavers and goodbye Harry everything he's ever done, I just loved it i got really you know I got really into all when Scott was in the band, so for me, it was just like you know. I don't know. I just can't say enough about Scott, but yeah, he's the best. He's the best.
0: Yeah, no, he was awesome and had some of the best stories I've ever heard
3: in my life. Oh, for sure. Yeah, hearing those guys talk about the old days is just the best because, I mean, I was a Cruise Records kid, you know? I yeah. was Chemical People and, uh, you know, of course All and Big Drill Car. and You know, that's what Hagfish just, that's what we wanted to be. You know, mm-hmm. we just wanted to sound like those bands, you know? So for Bill and Stefan to come and record our record and Oh, it was a dream come true, you know, and just have this sort of a career with bill and this friendship and this sort of kinship really with him. You know, it's like been seriously been a dream come true. When I was a kid, I was like, man, it'd be so cool to know Bill Stevenson. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm at his studio pretty much every goddamn year for three months or whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I know him far more than I ever thought I, <laughs> I would <have> know. <laughs> I know him too well now. Yeah. I know him too, too well. <laughs> too fucking well. But, uh, <laughs>
0: Anyway, man. <sighs> no, one of the best. One of the one of the all-time greats. But like, oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, like, but, the, you know, and w- someone that, you know, like, the Cruise Record stuff, like, that get, kind of gets forgotten because of all, not by everyone, obviously, but, like, by a lot of people because of, you know, people like Black Flag, The Descendants, but, like, oh, yeah, they built, like, their own scene. And it was, like, yeah. a world like, like yeah. you talk about the hard-ons, like, yeah, like, they kind of fit into that, too. Like, they're just, like, bands all over the world. They kind of fit into this kind of sound that –
3: It was this kindred – yeah, we were all – you know, we were late to the punch on it, and and Hackfish only wanted to be on Cruise. You know, that was our thing. But, you know, we didn't get to be. But then by the time we came around, there was like Pollen, and there was, you know, the other bands that Bill and Stefan were recording at the time, because they hadn't done any Fat rack bands. They were only doing bands that kind of sounded like them – or, you know, My Name from Washington and Paulin from Arizona. And these were our buddies. These were the bands that we all kind of, you know, <clears throat> played with or stayed with or whatever. And it felt real niche then, you know what I mean? Because he Cruise was kind of over at that point. This is early to mid-90s. Um, it was happening still, but it was on its last legs, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and so yeah, we kind of felt like this little exclusive club of bands that were basically just trying to rip off the descendants <laughs> and all, you know, and, but they were backing in, they were producing all
0: of us, you know, so we would all just go kind of tour together and stuff. It's almost like, that yeah. was like pop punk made for adults, you know, a hundred percent with you guys too. Right. Like it's, and it's like pop punk at a certain point became just the plaything of, 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 People mainly adults, but writing songs for teenagers, sure, sure, absolutely I mean, and that
3: was that was kind of, and I still think when it 's done that way it's still you know to me, pop punk has gotten sort of a bad rap that that term has gotten associated with like mall punk, you know, <laughs> I guess you we're know, in lack of a better term, but for me it was always those bands it was always the buzzcocks and it was the it was the descendants anything bill's ever done it was big drill car you know you're right it was mature stuff for adults that was um or quote unquote adults but it was never you know it never sounded like it was being sung by a 14 year old boy you know like a baby <laughs> and, and you know what I'm saying? And it's yes. all super major key, and you know, happy go lucky, and all that shit. It was it was like the buzzcocks, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, um, fastbacks. It was pop, or the fast, exactly, or the fastbacks. It was poppy. It was cl- catchy. as was melodic. It was Beatles song structures and shit. But there was an, a, a sense of aggression to it, and there was angst to it, and there was you know, energy. And that's why it drew me to it. Cause it, you know, so much, there's so many itches getting scratched at one time, you know? Yeah. Um, that, you know, you know, with Dracula's and stuff, I'm still trying to do, you know,
0: yeah. Listen, you've done every style though. You're like the Kubrick
3: of bands. Thank you very much. I will take that. I will absolutely take that. Cause I think you're, you're the Yoda of punk because, <laughs> you know, I'll be Kubrick of Bands. You're the Yoda of Punk because you know everything there is to know like about like about punk rock. It's fucking awe-inspiring. It's insane.
0: Well no, no, honestly, I'm this podcast is you know, like this is the only way I'm able to really dedicate the time to learning about it still. And that's really what this podcast yeah. is, is a chance for me to just like punish people like you, like <laughs> like you know, like like a dude that I've known By face and by name for years before I knew you personally, you know, and then you get a chance to actually ask all these questions that are inappropriate to ask someone once you know them personally. Like you'd never sit down with someone, you know, like you said, like you keep running into the dude for like Felix from, uh, uh, DRI. DRI, It's like, you're never going to be able to sit down and just punish him with questions. Unless you have this fucking podcast. (laughs) Yeah. I so want to do that. I so,
3: you know, all of those guys. I still can't get over Kubrick of Bands by the way I love that. I'm going well, yeah, to because gonna you that. have
0: you've done so many styles, you know like and I finally got to hear which I hadn't before Government Flu and dude that band is fucking awesome.
3: <laughs> that's okay that that's never been fed before. Okay, for those listening Government Flu was my band when I was like four. seriously straight up 14. My brother and I with two Texan Sherman we're from a town called Sherman. Um one guy was a complete genius. He was totally crazy, like, good at everything. He was a really great musician, and he had moved to Los Angeles and moved back home. He was older than us. And the drummer was just this gifted kid, Um, and they're both still up there. And we started a punk band called Government Flu after the, the Dead Kennedy song, and I sent it to Damien, because I figured if anyone in the world would would get it, it would be Damien, and Damien liked it, which is crazy, which is insane, because I actually
0: hadn't really listened to it in a long time, and once I started listening, I was like, fuck, it's kind of crazy. Well, yeah, because you would set me up to be like, you're like, oh, it's kind of seven seconds-y, and I'm like, okay, well, knowing that you would you know, wind up doing Hagfish a few years later, like that made sense to me, you know, like it would be more melodic. But then I heard it and it was fucking just like raging, like nothing against seven seconds, like one of the greatest bands <laughs> totally. of all time. But this is like, just like raging.
3: Well, you know, what's funny. I think I said seven seconds because at the time we were like, let's start a band that sounds like seven seconds. <laughs> and that's what we came up with. Like we just, that just came out, you know? And the funny thing is, it was all straight edge hardcore stuff. You know, like, there was this song called Heroin, and there was this song called PMA, you know, uh, just, like, it was it was our stab, like, Texan stab, like, at, at, let's be the straight and you know, um, but I think it's got pretty skewed through our
0: hickdom, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> you <laughs> see, that's like, really that's, like, that's a bad like, thing, but I think that's, like, what keeps it from sounding like a band that would have been... You know, like a a a second tier band in New York because you're just aping what's going on. Like you guys had a unique take on it that makes it seem kind of stand out.
3: Well, that was the thing I loved about the bands I loved. There was something different about all of them. You know, like Mm -hmm. Dri. Maybe it was the Texas thing. Like they didn't fucking sound like anybody. Yeah. You know, they were they sounded like Dri or like you know Excel. Remember Excel? Jokes on you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Excel
3: just no one sounded like fucking Excel, you know. But nobody sounded like Seven Seconds either. You could tell
0: Seven Seconds were like loved Minor Threat for sure, but they didn't. I'm going to say I'm going to I would say no one sounded as good as Seven Seconds at being Seven Seconds. There were a lot of bands trying to be Seven Seconds, right? After
3: post Seven Seconds, you're right. There was like a post Seven Seconds like Fallout where everybody was kind of trying
0: to be. Yeah, you're right because they were just so fucking good. But you make a great point about Texas, like, you know, like that first, and obviously it's a huge fucking state, but like, you know, just like that first wave of bands being, uh, you know, like you think about the big boys, really red, uh, DRI, uh, stains, MDC, Uh, it's like, dude, no one, uh, butthole surfers, like no one sounds the same. Right?
3: Nobody. Up in Dallas, we had the Nerve Breakers. Yeah. That Um, band's fucking incredible. Dude, yeah, it was just insane. So, I mean, MTC, thats another thing. It's like fucking MDC came from here, you know. Yeah. And I mean, you don't think about it because, of course, they did the DRI thing too and went up to San Francisco. But like, MD fucking z it, it doesn't get better than that shit. The yeah. dicks, like the—and they none of them. It's kind of like the early. Hardcore, where like X didn't sound like Black Flag, and Black Flag didn't sound like Minor Threat. You know, Texas really like yeah, no really band sounded the same. You know, unfortunately, like it kind of like with what Mark and Jeff, like Mark Men, You know, there's radioactivity, there's Mind Spiders, there's Gamblers, there's High Tension Wires, there's Draculas. We all kind of have a thing. Well, we all sound a little similar, you know, but. I'm, I'm ba- basically Dracula's just started because I wanted to rip off everything Mark and Jeff were doing. I've told him that unabashedly. I was like, I want you to produce the record. I want Dirt Now to put it on. And f- thankfully, all of that happened. But, um, you know, we're all a bit derivative of each other, but I'm proud of that. You know, yeah. know what I mean? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm okay well, with that. It's a scene. Yeah, it's a scene. It's a scene. And we all just play really fast hi hat shit. You know, it's like speed the Ramones up, and that's, that's what you come out with. But
0: um, Yeah. Well, no, I was just going to say, like, that's the thing about. Um... That's the thing about, you know, minor, like, sorry, Black Flag, Circle Jerks, you know, those bands don't sound the same, you know, X even, but they're all kind of approaching it from seemingly, you know, like the same-ish kind of place, whereas like, Buttle Surfers and, and the Big Boys and DRI and you know like uh, what's that culture side like there's uh-huh. all these bands are just like where the hell like everyone's got like a completely different take on it and I guess it's just yeah, it's Texas true.
3: I think it's Texas I think being of here if you're of this place there's such a fucking oppressive I mean, history thing with being from here. There's such, uh, you know, the racism. There's such a... Like, my grandpa, you're Every If you're white and you're from here, your grandparents said some fucked up shit to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just did. Mm-hmm. They did. And it, or, or the people in your life have said fucked up shit to you and done fucked up shit. And coming from that, and not only, you know, you're already a pissed off kid, you're into punk rock. You already hate authority. You already you're into punk rock for some fucking reason, but then you have all this other shit that just comes from being from here where it's like, wait a minute. Like, you know, suddenly you're starting to realize that everything's kind of fucked. And then like all these people you've loved your whole life and have raised you are all kind of fucked up, you know, because they're from here and have been party or privy or, or set or whatever to, to some really fucked up shit. And so, then you're even more pissed off and you're, and it's fucked you up. And you know, you're, you're this, you're an outcast, outcast, you know, you're outcast from like the outcasts, you know, mm-hmm. and you're from here. You weren't lucky enough to be born from any coast where you were around cool shit. You know, where you were, you know, I, I'm in, I'm into New York hardcore cause I'm from New York or I'm into like skate punk cause I'm fucking from California. You were just into the shit that you got, you know, yeah. the stuff that you could get your hands on, you
0: know? So. Well, that's the thing I, about the demo. Like, it's like, you know, and, and, and it's amazing and it would be on my top 10 for a lot of reasons, but like, you know, I don't even know that many bands from the mid eighties in te- or late eighties, mid eighties in Texas that were around like it just seems like that it it wasn't that dense of a scene so like right away government flu is like one of my top 10 bands of that era that's insane that's fucking amazing no it's fucking (laughs) i love that demo and i I can't wait to tell my brother that no it's it's i think it's i think i think it's super cool and like yeah like what i was saying like you know it's it is you've done that style you've done you know, like the mature <laughs> the mature pop punk style that we were talking about, like with Hagfish and you've done like you've done all these different styles and like, you know, now obviously rise against, but you've done like you've done everything, you know? You've been in Guar. Like, Sir, you've worn the dinosaur suit. You've done it. I've worn the dinosaur suit. Well, you know, for me, I always respected those guys. Uh,
3: I've got I, I see it for both things. I see the guy that like stay true to his thing, he did that thing his entire career. Like AC/DC, yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. But then there's those guys who followed their fancy. And then, you know, I guess David Bowie was always David Bowie, and I'm definitely not comparing myself to that. But I'm just saying somebody that sort of reinvented themselves a lot. And we're like, I'm influenced by these things. I've been listening to these things for this, this lately. I'm going to do this for a while, and then I'm going to do this. And i not a chameleon so much as just somebody that was expressive. And um you know, had different muses and gotten into different things. And you know, for me it's always been this umbrella of aggressive music, you know, of of urgent sort of uh hyperactive music, because I'm a hyperactive person. I'm pacing right now uh while we're talking. Um but I always kind of felt like that was what I was gonna do. I was gonna sort of not stick with one thing so much. Whereas like, if I felt like I could try something else out, you know, um, and explore that for a little while, you know, Bill shit descendants and he was in black flag, you know, and you know, that, I think that early on all that SST stuff, nothing sounded the same. And those bands would kind of, I mean, black flag went, they sounded like 15 different bands, you know what I mean? (laughs) If you, if you listen to their entire catalog, it's just like, what the fuck? and, even Descendants did that. You know, you take Milo Goes to College to Descendants All, those are two different bands. Yeah, You know, Uranus sounded like New Orchestra, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's because that is that is exactly what they were listening to at that point. Yeah. You know, they were listening to King Crimson and, and you know, shit like that. Um, and so, I don't know, I, I guess I just kind of always... I didn't really give it too much thought. I just would, my brother and I, we just kind of like, shit, we've been listening to this lately. Let's do something like this for a while. You know what yeah. I mean? It just kind of happened. So,
0: yeah. And you know what? I think that like, once again, I can see it both ways, you know, like I could see, you know, like wanting a band to stay the same forever, but then sure. there's also this idea that you've got the people in the band that are growing up and they're changing yeah. and like, do they try right. and remain true to something that's not true to them anymore? Like, I mean, sonically, like not ideologically. But. Absolutely,
3: absolutely. And I mean, that's the same can be said for so many bands. Like Rise Against, shit, our new records don't sound like the early records. I don't think any bands does.
0: You oh, know? Are, are we sound the exact and, same. <laughs> fucked up. We never change.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, you, you know, there's just there's those bands, and there's I think, I think your band your band sounds so different. I mean, you're, you you guys. And that's what I love. About I didn't your band, change, though,
0: Zach. I can't change. Well, <laughs> you're the best Damien there is in the world. Um, yeah, they, but,
2: you no, know, Damien from but the
0: Explosions love- number one, and then I'm number two. He's much better looking than I am.
3: But that's what I love about your band. Your band, if you had to say something about you, you'd be like, oh, they're a hardcore band. And then you listen to your band, it's like this isn't just a fucking hardcore band. You know what I mean? This band has lots of influences, and they're going to get them all out on this record. You know, and that's so fucking creative and it's so daring and explorative. It, it doesn't, you don't get sick of listening to Fuck Up, you know? And that was my thing. I'm—I'm I, My attention span is so small. I would listen to a record and go, okay, I get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when, at that point where you're going, ah, I think I'm getting this, and then they throw you a curveball, that's what always excited me, you know? And, and... Those were the bands I gravitated toward, you know, and the the bands I wanted to play in as well, you know,
0: or form or you know whatever. I think I would I would definitely want to. do, First of all, I'm I'm blushing a lot, so thank you very much for of saying course. all that. Absolutely, Lily. I would I would love to do like you know a hard ons hagfish style. Obviously, lyrics would be a little bit different than the hard ons, but but like sure, say, sure. Like, like that style of music. I'd love to do a band like that. I just don't know how to play anything. And I think that's like a well, big drawback.
3: Well, I mean, you being you, I think anything you put your mind to, you're going to be able to do it because you're pretty impressive when it comes to like, I'm just going to do this now. I mean, with the, the things you've told me, your projects is fucking mind boggling. It's ridiculous. So I'm well, pretty sure you could probably do anything you put
0: your mind to there, Damien. I appreciate that, Zach, because I am now going to become a SoundCloud rapper because I realize that's where the money is. You should. I definitely you should. absolutely should. I definitely should. You can should. pull it off. And when I'll be – Zach Blair I'll portrait on one out. cheek, MVP portrait on the other cheek. <laughs> that would be fucking amazing. You are the conduit. You made it happen. No, you dude. Made happen. You, made happen. You, made happen. you made it happen. All I did well. was stumble upon the greatest story ever told. You did. That's for sure. That is for sure. Um, wait,
3: we got on the phone like three hours ago, and we were supposed to talk about
0: something, weren't we? Yes, yes. We are going to be meeting up in person finally in a couple Holy weeks shit. in beautiful Montreal. We certainly are. So I'm co-hosting Turned Out of Punk. Yes, you are. A I have, live Turned Out of Punk. I have extended the invitation to you to bring you one step closer to the Turned Out of Punk five appearance jacket that we've now conceived of that I have to design and make because you are getting dangerously close to achieving it right now, Zach. That's crazy. I'm going to put another hole in my punch card. (laughs) Exactly. Another hole in your punch card as you you make your way to that (laughs) jacket. It's actually (laughs) funny. You and MVP are in, I think, a dead heat to get to that number five appearance first. Well, if I get there first, that would make – the one event that I could beat him at, <laughs> I, I think also <laughs> a physical fight. <laughs> oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely! I could absolutely take it. Uh, yeah, of course, of
3: course. You know, uh, <laughs> that that goes with. I think that just goes without saying. If you look at a picture of him and then you look at a picture of me, you're like, "Oh, that bald guy's fully gonna just kill that dude."
0: Well, it's funny, uh, oh really. I what? really hope he's not listening to this. No. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking, like, when he and I were hanging out, like, I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, he and I are the same height. But then it's when I'm, like, standing beside him. I'm like, no, he's, like, two dudes as thick of me.
3: <laughs> with like Dude, just he's muscle. a fucking monster. I couldn't believe how fucking – I did see him in Houston after – after that podcast we did, and I haven't seen him in a long time, and I couldn't fucking believe how physically <laughs> huge he is. And I mean, I'm a small guy. I'm 5'8". I weigh like 145. That dude is fucking huge. <laughs> he shook my hand. His hand was as big as my head. It was just, uh, fucking hell, man. But uh, I guess you have to be. I guess you have to be when you're doing that for a profession. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yep. No, nope, that's the reason you and I aren't in that ring right now. Well, that's I think me more you than you not. because I would want nothing more than be in that ring. <laughs> no shit. No shit. Right? I would be
3: horrified if I was a, just that's a nightmare for me to wake up in that ring like, oh, fuck. What did I do? Uh, <laughs> get me the fuck out of here. Uh, yeah. Well anyway, I well I can't wait. I can't wait. It's yeah, gonna, this be, gonna great. be amazing. I
0: wait. It's we've been talking, you know, beforehand, going over the lineup of the festival. Kind of a ridiculous who's who. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of friends. A lot of friends there. It's gonna be a lot of friends, a lot of bros, a, lot, a of bros. lot of bros. I think I think the thing is also you and Davey Havoc represent the two people I know that are so connected to wrestling with literally no interest in the wrestling itself. I have no desire, no interest.
3: I don't know anything <laughs> yeah. about it. But for some reason, I know a really popular wrestler. It's <laughs>
0: you yeah. fucking crazy happenstance, yeah. And you've also yeah. soundtracked some wrestling pay-per-views in your time. Y- yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't think I have. But yes, you're totally right.
3: No, I think you guys have. Oh, Rise Against, yes. Yes, we have.
0: You're yeah, right. we 100%. Have. Yeah. I was going to be like, oh, no, don't worry, my friend. I do know this part <laughs>
3: you know what i don't know about much about the i'm the, like the last one to know about stuff that that actually happens in my career like people tell me i'm like oh yeah right sure <laughs> great but you're right we did do some right yes we have done some wrestling th- because we made fans from it people will come to us and go
0: hey are you on the whatever mm-hmm. I'm like wow shit okay cool well you yeah. think about how many kids like you know uh, how many people come on this show that say they got into punk rock because of the tony hawk soundtrack and it's oh, like, dude, so many yeah yeah, yeah and you, so absolutely you, you never know when it's gonna find you you know or where it's gonna no, find that kid right. that needs it you're right you're right that's true well, well cool well fucking yeah
3: man i cannot wait to do it it's gonna be awesome
0: yeah i'm gonna find you where i need you which is right by my side my good friend absolutely my friend and, and i think whoever the guest is who is the
3: guest we can we say that yet we can't say that yet
0: well, I think we can't say that yet, but I think we're going to just say okay. that it's safe to say that it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. And okay. also there's going to be a, a few guests, I think on there. I think we're gonna have a, a couple, a couple of mutual friends stopping by to hang out and put on what will only be remembered as the greatest podcast ever recorded. I ever recorded. The thing about it is when you and me get together though we tend to do what we're
3: doing right now which is just talk a lot. And so I really think whoever the guest is we're we'll probably not going to a word in and Android, which is fine. <laughs> I'm totally okay with that.
0: I don't know. I think I think I have a feeling we'll we can uh we'll talk ourselves out, you know, and and I, I think, think you're probably right. I think also like, you know, uh you know, let's say let's say it is Craig Atari. you know, we we both once again, we know Who would win in that boxing match? So, oh my God, no shit! You might give us a knuckle. You might give us a knuckle sandwich. (laughs) Fucking both
3: of us, clink our heads together. Uh, (laughs) uh, Zach, thank you so much for coming on the show, buddy. Thank you for having me again, buddy. I can't wait to see you.